0: test is scheduled for one fall with a four hour time limit now coming down the aisle weighing 27 pounds and made out of paper wearing the hockey jersey <laughs> fighting out of phoenix arizona he is greg work the legwork johnson and his co-host weighing 275 pounds from denton texas he is wearing gym shorts (laughs) (laughs) he forgot to do he
1: is denny the talent taylor all right boys i want a good clean contest No seamless edits, no outside interference, no forgetting your gimmicks, and the the podcast ends when you pick a winner. Do you both agree to this? Why does he weigh ten times more than me? Because he was honest about his weight and he doesn't know how much you weigh, so he made a joke about how thin you are.
2: Oh, jeez.
1: It's not a body-shaming joke. He wishes he was as thin as you. Trust me, (laughs) I know him.
3: All right
2: welcome back to movies for Win, everybody uh <laughs>
1: welcome to movies for Win. sorry i didn't mean to rib on the square there brother my bad
2: oh man i loved it you have you, got the natural voice for it i'm not gonna lie
1: thanks it's uh it's an impression of notable wrestling announcer howard finkel
2: we love him i i i was just gonna say let's get ready to rumble but i think that's uh, that's the that's wrong the, event that's michael the, buffer that's the other event and the other announcer <laughs>
1: Howard Finkel was WWF. Michael Buffer got paid a lot to come say, let's get ready to rumble for WCW. And I think he's actually famous for boxing. So.
2: <laughs> That's right. Let's get ready to Royal Rumble.
1: Yay. Oh,
2: man. Denny, what's happening this weekend, bud? That's the whole reason for this episode. Oh, Something's going brother. on this weekend that you're in, going to see live. What's in going Dallas, on? Dallas, Texas. In, well, in Dallas, Texas.
1: It's WrestleMania weekend. And that's not even the coolest part. WrestleMania what? By the way, thirty eight. Thirty eight. thirty eighth WrestleMania, beginning in nineteen eighty five. Um, but what's even cooler is that, like, all of these small independent wrestling shows piggyback uh, piggyback off a hundred thousand wrestling fans coming to one city for a weekend from all over the world. And so there's, like, so many indie shows I'm going to, and, like, almost every wrestler in the world comes to town for, like, conventions and bookings, and it's just, like, anyone could show up as a surprise anywhere, because everybody's in Dallas. Like, it's so much fun. I can't wait. I It starts tomorrow for me. Dude, that's so sick. I cannot wait. Yeah.
2: Like, um... Like, listen, I'm Denny's. Obviously, the wrestling fan here. I'm not really into wrestling. Like, I didn't grow up on it. I only know like the common knowledge wrestling stuff. Like, I know who The Rock is. I know who Ric Flair is. I know that like when Razor Ramon and Diesel left the company, like WWF Ooh. had the had the naming rights to the characters, and they tried to replace the characters with different performers, and then like the replacement diesel eventually became known as kane but that's all like just common wrestling stuff like that's that's like the only that last part
1: is not common brother that was pretty that was a deep cut my guy
2: this is all common wrestling stuff denny i told you the rock Ric flair (laughs) diesel
1: became kane Kane. diesel became kane wow and uh, you really ca- you 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 caught me off guard with that i didn't expect you to know that yeah
2: i also know about nacho man randy's sl- Slammage. so yeah yeah i'm yeah not a big wrestling guy as you can tell only the uh, common
1: stuff <laughs> just just the origins of, of fake diesel just the basics yeah <laughs> um man uh i'm i'm a massive wrestling fan i had a um i've been a huge wrestling fan since i was like seven um and i had a brief stint as an independent professional wrestler and trained at the storm wrestling academy in calgary alberta canada that's right that's a dramatic cause that's a Uh, dramatic pause
2: that's the only canadian city i've been to honestly
1: it's the only canadian city i've been to there you go yeah I didn't leave it the whole time I was there. (laughs) I just stayed in Calgary the whole time.
2: You didn't go out and explore Banff National Park, and that's a real shame.
1: I know. Some people in my class went up there, and I was like, why? I don't know. (laughs) Like, I, first of all, don't really like nature. Also, I was just like, I'm in Canada for several months, and I can't make any more money. You know, like, while I'm here. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, "Uh, there's not going to be a lot of discretionary expenditures while I'm up here. I'm not going to do a lot of trips or anything
2: hey yeah that's that's fair that's fine that just that just means you're gonna have to go back exactly for non-wrestling things
1: i would probably go somewhere other than calgary (laughs) for non-wrestling things for your wrestling go to calgary uh me however I, i i would get more excited to see like uh the eastern side of canada i think there's cooler stuff over there
2: me and you can go to Vancouver to see uh, what Manhattan was like, according to the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> or we can go Dude, to... Dude, you
1: were, you were just saying so many things I like today, Greg.
2: I'm, I'm scratching all your so itches, man. Things. Oh, am, yeah. I'm scratching all your itches. Uh, really slapping what needs to get slapped. Speaking of that, um, we were wrong about a couple of Oscars predictions, Yeah. Buddy. I think the yeah. only one that I got right was I said that Power of the Dog would win Best Director, and then somehow it didn't win any other awards, which is pretty uncommon <laughs> to say, like, yeah, obviously you directed the shit out of this, so this is a good movie. That's all we're giving you. So, but we apologies really, for being wrong. We weren't
1: really impressed with your direction in in all of the areas we recognized. But you are also the best director. <laughs> yeah, you, you were great at directing. <laughs> like,
2: you found some good spots. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> I I was happy with Dune winning all the technical awards. Maybe it didn't deserve like all of them, but it was really cool. I I did I did mention Coda. Being good, and uh Troy Kozer did when end up winning the Oscar for best Supporting actor. He was the dad in that movie and mm-hmm. I don't think he deserved the award, but he absolutely deserved to get recognized for yeah. it and it, it's cool to see a member of the deaf community like achieving something like that it it was it oh, was yeah. really great to see
1: one one of my friends who is really into the Oscars told me before it that uh that she was rooting for coda, but she didn't think it would win and so i texted Ooh. her like <laughs> excitement she was pretty pumped you know like and I, I, I don't know much about coda but i i haven't heard a bad thing about it everyone i've talked to who's seen it has been like what it's so good i cried so hard i loved it it's beautiful
2: i it's it's very good i i wouldn't put it as best picture i think like maybe two or three other movies probably deserve it but yeah, it won and i'm not at all mad about it i think it was yeah. i think it was fine yeah man and uh and then of course the big news from the oscars (laughs) um (laughs) the flash entering the speed force was your number one audience (laughs) cheer moment in film history
1: (laughs) what are you talking about that's
2: what people are talking about right
1: oh yeah that's whatever i was like i didn't i didn't watch the oscars i just saw i just saw twitter blow up with all those flash gifs
2: Oh, you're damn right. They did a segment. It was, it was essentially the result of a Twitter poll. And it was the top five cheer-worthy moments of all time in cinema. And boy, howdy. I spoiled number one. Two of these other ones make sense. You want me to go through the five?
1: Wait, I need a That, like... That is so insane that it didn't register with me. That The Flash joining what is the number one Enters, audience cheer moment?
2: I, I haven't seen the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, but it's basically the Flash. And then they show like a video clip. It's basically the Flash it going fast. He runs quick.
1: Number one moment.
2: He flashes.
1: Yeah. Number one audience cheer moment in all of cinema ever.
2: I guess we got to see it. Um, from the
1: fucking snyder cut sure of 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 all movies ever made
2: all movies ever made
1: that's number one yep what kind of wwe ass revisionist history shit is this
2: (laughs) this is worse than when uh fucking the big show did a knockout on hulk hogan at SummerSlam 14 close close <laughs> oh yeah no uh, <laughs> don't correct me because i'm not gonna know <laughs> i
1: know I'm, I'm i'm letting it go um, oh thank you i'm i'm more like so you mean to say the audience cheered more for the flash than forrest gump when he ran
2: Oh yeah that wasn't even on top five uh top five are number five this one makes sense the matrix neo dodging the bullets that'll elicit a reaction number four uh dream girls 2006 jennifer hudson singing
1: a song people remember dream girls uh i guess are we still talking about dream girls nobody nobody is. i thought that was a fad for theater kids for six months
2: I wasn't in that crowd, so I never even really heard about it.
1: (laughs) I was. And by the way, Dreamgirls is fucking boring. The songs are good, but Jesus, that movie is boring.
2: I believe it. Uh, Number three. No surprise. Avengers Endgame. Avengers assemble to fight Thanos. That makes sense, right?
1: uh, Yeah, fair, fair.
3: That was Uh, a big deal.
2: Number two. Spider-Man No Way Home. Have you seen it yet? Yes. Okay. Spoilers, everybody! The Spider Men all get together, and then number one, was... the f- the Flash runs fast. <laughs> from a from a uh, <laughs> cut of the movie that wasn't in theaters.
1: Hello, fellow kids.
2: Uh, how do you do? That's
1: just there's there's <laughs> pandering for relevance, and then there's that list.
2: Well, it won a Twitter poll, so that means it's ironclad. All right, but yeah, I guess I guess the real news is Will Smith slapped the shit out of Mr. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. From I the, don't... From the star of Slap Boys 2. God. And <laughs> s- slapped her Earth? God. Men in Slap?
1: It got a mega thread on the wrestling subreddit. I thought that was kind of funny.
2: Slapcock? I slap bot.
1: <laughs> Did you prepare this list or are you ripped? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I slap
2: legend. <laughs> this one's from Twitter. The pursuit Wild, of slap. The pursuit oh of God. slappiness. Come on. <laughs> God, that's good. And then uh, finally, career suicide squad. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, huge headline that inspired a bunch of moral discourse about the appropriateness of violence uh millionaire slaps other millionaire at millionaire party both of them wake
2: up continuing to be millionaires
1: (laughs) and people are like getting in real heated debates about it and i don't understand it i just don't
2: no i don't i don't either it's it's that thing of like something a big piece of news happens and then everyone sees it one time and they're like this is my reaction i am concrete cementing this as fact in my head and i will die on this hill no matter what no gray area no two sides of anything no time to reflect or digest events it's just like this bad he wrong other guy right and yeah that's that's the whole thing like that's the whole discourse
1: i'm i'm just gonna save my energy for when i just feel like it matters more if it matters to you i don't want to say you're not allowed to have that i'm i'm simply saying i don't understand it um i don't know man like i just saw it and i was like huh that's kind of funny i'll bet it was staged you know like i was like that seems like an angle you know like i don't know you
2: you, you think so and then like it keeps going the way it goes and you're like mm, this wasn't staged <laughs> oh boy <sighs>
1: i don't know i i I never put it past i i just i I never believe anything i see celebrities do is genuine at face value well you're
2: a diehard wrestling fan so that makes sense
1: i'm also a well former diehard kanye west fan and uh at a certain point you just had to accept that he was making controversy happen on purpose you know so (laughs) that (laughs) because it makes him more money if he's controversial so he does controversial things right like that's don't get me wrong, I think Kanye is unmedicated and unwell and I really hope he gets the help he needs and it sounds like he mixes a lot of really hard drugs with unmedicated bipolar and that's that's torture and that's suffering, but all that goes to say I just I don't buy anything I see a celebrity do as something that's not at least partially geared towards branding.
3: Yeah,
2: fair enough. Yeah, uh he is a gene-dash yes. So all the love to Dash,
1: yes i uh, i haven't
2: watched that yet so
1: oh i haven't watched it either
2: what what have you been watching denny what have you been watching lately
1: um other than stuff for for the podcast i watched a couple cool things um so i watched uh (laughs) i watched a movie called snake island ah i
2: thought you said snake eyes
1: damn what's no snake eyes is good
2: what's snake island Um, like
1: Snake Island is a is a is a movie that uh two of my friends wanted to show me. Uh and I understand why now. It's just some weird thing they came across in college. It's just like it's it's not quite Neil Breen tier, but it's definitely like this boomer ass guy had some money and wanted to make a movie so he could feel boobs you know like, <laughs> it's, like it's so bad it's so unbelievably bad um it's 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 just it's it's horror my, f- my and,
3: favorite genre
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh it, it's just uh, just just watch it if you're looking for something that's like because it's for it to be fun bad it has to be like done in earnest you know yeah, exactly this is this is definitely like a like wanting to be a version of like 50s adventure type movies it's really not um Uh. it's so it's it's one of the weirder movies i've seen in a while um i also just last night watched uh new york stories um it's on me and vanessa's annual movie list um it's an anthology uh one short is directed by martin scorsese one is directed by francis ford coppola and one of them is directed by woody allen and uh martin Scorsese's short was a fantastic story um well, about were people walking there yeah they were walking there yeah. wait there were no no one was walking there did
2: they make it known that they were walking
1: there no dustin hoffman didn't do that i'm unfortunately. getting a coffee
2: over here
1: <laughs> no but it, it was weird pacing in a strange anthology because scorsese made a, a fantastic like 50 minute short about like um an abusive guy keeping people dependent on him um then francis ford coppola made what's probably the best mary kate nashley vhs i've ever seen in my life but it was weird like uh definitely like couldn't decide if it was for children or not um Mm -hmm. and then woody allen uh made what woody allen always makes and it was really fun uh he's a shitty little guy who always goes to therapy and sucks um, and that's, that's every Woody Allen movie ever made. So that, that was another one of them. And I, I like most of them. So <laughs> uh, these shitty little guys, Greg, what have, uh, what have you been watching? Uh, a couple
2: things real quick. We, we started rewatching Atlanta. I have seen it. My wife hasn't. Ooh,
1: I never finished it. I really liked it though. It's
2: good, man. Like, uh. What a great show. Season three is like starting now. So we're kind of starting the rewatch and then we'll let season three go for a few episodes and then we'll like, you know, knock it out pretty quick after that. We're letting it yeah. collect episodes. It's, it's a great show. Um, it just made me realize that Brian Tyree Henry is a criminally underrated actor, especially like a comedy actor. Mm-hmm. And today, as we record, it's his 50 uh, sorry, 40th birthday
0: hey not 50, 40. to him
2: happy birthday man he was the uh clerk in arkham asylum in the joker movie and he was also in the new uh child's play movie he's he deserves a lot better work i guess he, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> lucky for us he is fantastic in that show so is everybody uh i yeah. we we were going to record last night but Danny Boy, with my very good Danny Boy, was feeling a little under the weather, yeah, so my wife and I watched uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the oh first
1: my God. one. I need to. Wa- I almost watched it last night, but I watched the first <laughs> hour of Pulp Fiction instead. Hey,
2: that's a great. That's a great option.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, they're not very similar. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, my only note on Sonic the Hedgehog right now: a, a fun movie with a good Jim Carrey performance, but it's not product placement it's product placement in the sense that if I threw a brick through your window with a note saying Arby's we have the meats you wouldn't say (laughs) you wouldn't say that I placed that brick in your home
1: that's product assault.
2: that's product invasion (laughs) product
1: breaking and entering (laughs) product (laughs) threatening (laughs)
2: And it was, it was here and present. I won't say what company because they're not paying me. They obviously paid someone else way too much. Hey! Yeah. The second time Sonic did the floss dance, I was kind of out of it. But, it a fun movie. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. earlier today I watched on HBO Max The Last Duel. That was an incredibly brutal and sad movie that I'm really glad I watched. It's a, it's a good one. And it's weird that It was nominated for zero Oscars because this is set design, art direction, hair, makeup, costume design, Oscar bait, like, in a nutshell. And screenplay. I thought it was really, really good. Really, really tight screenplay. I really liked how the story was told. So, Last Duel. Check it out. Cool. Two and a half hours of bummers, but, you know...
1: (laughs) that's not a that's not a solid sell um <laughs> come for the sets stay for the how sad it makes you <laughs>
2: all right i guess we forgot to mention like the movies we're actually doing this episode because yeah yes. you know wrestlemania weekend that's why we're here so yeah what what movies did ourselves and the audience select for this
1: week um, our first movie today will be the audience selection, winning the poll by one vote over Ready to Rumble. Um, uh, it's The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Our second movie will be Greg's pick, Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, starring Woo-hoo. Jesse Ventura. Um, and uh, our final movie will be a uh, friend of the show, Adam Karazuba's pick, uh, uh, You Cannot Kill, David Arquette, starring David Arquette, who, spoiler alert, they cannot kill. Um, he he
2: lives to the end of the movie
1: (laughs) exactly um i don't want to spoil that for y'all but if you watch that thinking david arquette might die at the end well the title spoiled it um anyways yeah sorry sorry we couldn't
2: get adam on the show i know we we discussed the possibility of having him on uh on the call with us to discuss at least you cannot kill david arquette but uh i guess he couldn't make it to the show he's a busy man he's yeah. a busy brother i understand um, so are we but you know with this yeah well <laughs> much we, less important things
1: we we make the podcast he's a he's a clinical director and a father <laughs> we're busy with making a podcast <laughs> i like to think this
2: podcast is my baby
1: <laughs> me too greg it's great raising this child with you i can't <laughs> wait to take it to its first alamo Drafthouse house screening
2: two 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 men and a podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> well greg you know, I'm worried that the audience might not know a lot of uh, a lot of terminology that gets used or gets thrown around. Um, uh oh. <laughs> so that's why I thought it might be a good idea if we did uh, an exciting round of ambush trivia. No, oh, goddammit. it! I should have known. <laughs> oh fuck! Greg, are you ready for ambush wrestling trivia? You know I'm based not. On- based on wrestling terminology. This is educational for everyone. This is the thing I'm least prepared for. <laughs> this is this is this is
2: educational for everyone. I just watched a movie about 14th century France. Can we can we do that instead?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> for what it's worth, I, I I did do a lot of multiple choice on this for you to 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 curve it. Yeah, um,
2: well, you were 0 for 2 in the multiple choice questions in my trivia, so true. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. <laughs>
1: Well, Greg, um, there are ten questions. If you get five of them right, I will tell you uh, you're a good brother. You'll learn what that is later. Um, And if you get uh, 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 less than five of them right, I'll tell you uh, you're getting buried. All right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. right. I'm I'm, I'm down. I understand the rules. Okay. Question number one. Mm -hmm. When a wrestler either accidentally or purposely hits too hard, it is considered a fair act of atonement for the wrestler they hit to return the favor. This practice is referred to as A. I,
2: I thought this was true-false.
1: No, gonna, this is multiple choice. Oh, damn it, I was going to say true. God, damn it. <laughs> this practice is referred to as A. A clapback, B. A receipt, mm-hmm. C. A karma shot, D. A refund, Vanessa just texted me and got it right. <laughs> that doesn't help me. I feel like karma shot
2: like that's that doesn't feel like wrestler vernacular. What was A again? A is a clapback. A clapback that feels like too much of like a trendy term that would this would feels like it dates back further. Okay. So it's between a receipt and what was the last one? A refund. A refund. I'm going to say a receipt. B, final that is answer.
1: correct, Greg. Yes! Ah! And by the way, brother, this round of Ambush Trivia is a receipt for last week. Uh,
2: <laughs> I should have <laughs> recognized that as soon as I realized he <laughs> read the question.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. All
1: right. Greg is 1-0 on and his o. way to being a good brother. He's uh-huh. going over, guys. All right. Question number two, fill in the blank.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Good guys are blank bad guys are blank faces and heels that is correct greg is two and oh faces being short for baby faces because back in the day you had to have a clean shaven face to be a good guy and heel because it's a dated colloquialism for a dickhead (laughs) Uh. (laughs) i like that one better (laughs) yeah vanessa got that one right too ah man I'm,
2: I feel like I'm also competing with her. This is fine. <laughs> I'm going to lose to her, but I'm okay with it.
1: <laughs> Question number three. What Carney term is used to refer to wrestling's canon? Wrestling's A, canon? The canon. Fuck. A, A. Booking. B. Stizori Lizine. C. Kayfabe. D. Sports Entertainment. <laughs>
2: I feel like sports entertainment is specifically a Vince McMahon thing.
1: You so, learned from last week, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's also my thing, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with c k kayfabe.
0: That is correct, Greg. Ah,
3: damn,
4: yeah. I'm looking good. For example, like,
2: what, what, like Stizori. What did you say?
1: <laughs> well, that's that's actually old Carney language. Is uh, is is Izzo Lizzo stuff? Like it's like uh languages where you drop the vowels with I, another line.
2: I ruled it out because I was like Carnies didn't used to say stuff like that.
1: <laughs> it's called it's called Kizarni. It's a language. I don't know how it kept anything secret. Shows what um, I know. <laughs> yep yeah. K-fabe is a butchering of the pig Latin for fake. That's what everyone thinks its origin is at least. Um normally back in the day, um if two wrestlers were talking and they saw a fan approaching, they'd be like, "Oh shit, K-fabe." And then that would be the code word to act like wrestling was real. Um, and now it's just oh. like Undertaker and Kane are kayfabe brothers, but not in real life. Um, so, damn, 3-0. and oh.
2: All right. I'm, I'm um, well on my way. Remember, you have to add very for everyone that I get over 5, and I don't want to... All right, knock on wood. Don't count your <laughs> eggs before they hatch. I think I sang that last time.
1: <laughs> Vanessa's texting me wrestling gifts. <laughs> Is she doing the yes, yes, yes? She actually sent Macho Man Sipping a Creamer saying, The cream rises to the top the cream uh, of the crop you're both tied number four um in wrestling which pair of words is interchangeable with fake and real oh wait i have to tell you the answers yeah you do <laughs> a Fake and real. canon and reality b work and shoot c punches and chair shots d in ring and backstage
2: i like c a lot just because i like how that sounds i don't know, like this is no influence on the answer i just like how those sound but i think i want to say d in ring and backstage in ring and backstage yeah
1: the correct answer was b <sighs> work and shoot work and shoot um Damn. if it is fake it is a work if it is real it is a shoot um Now Vanessa is beating you and she's excited. She said, I'm going to beat his punk ass. Yeah, bitch.
2: Oh, is this a promo? Well, she's going to have to see me at SummerSlam
1: 2022. (laughs) Vanessa will be seeing you at SummerSlam 2022. (laughs) You're damn right, brother. All right question number five waluigi versus the producer (laughs) (laughs) so you're you're three and one and for the record vanessa is four and oh yeah yeah Um, we know
2: we we know
1: (laughs) free response what derogatory word for a fan originated when carnival workers would draw a line of chalk on the shoulders of people who were easily fooled
2: i know this one it's not matthew it's not luke or john it's mark, baby. There it is, brother,
1: brother. There it is. I brought a you Bible got reference, it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. So that puts you up to four and one. Yes, they would mark them with chalk and call them a mark.
2: Yep. Um, yep, yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Number six, free response. How does the blood in wrestling get made?
2: So, like, if someone's bleeding from the forehead, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Sure. Sure, like for example if, there, if there's blood
1: on screen how do they get it there
2: i want to say someone like if someone's got like tape on their hand or wrist they'll tuck like a razor blade in there and just do like a little nick like on the forehead or like the finger like somewhere to like bring blood out and
1: then like spread it to make it look like there's more blood am i right that is correct. They usually don't have to spread it very much because yeah. if you get even a small cut on your head, it will bleed everywhere. Yeah, they've been doing um,
2: backflips, so <laughs> blood's moving.
1: Yep. I would have uh, I would have also accepted uh, a hard way, um, which is the other way to get blood in wrestling. You punch someone on the eyebrow with your knuckle until they bleed. Oh. Um, just wanted to get it on record that uh, the blood is real in wrestling. And Vanessa yep, said... Yep. It's called Getting Color, Baby, and you blade the shit. God, she's. I just Fuck. love her so much right now.
2: All right, her answer's better. I'll give her a half a point over myself. <laughs> That's fine. That's way cool. So, Greg,
1: you are five and one, and Vanessa is hey, 6.5 and zero. I have You're, five. You know what, Greg? You're a good brother. You're a good brother, brother, brother. But I want all the
2: varies that I can get. So hit me with uh, the next question.
1: I'm going to change it back. You're not getting you're not getting varies, you're getting more brothers. Ooh, even better. Thank you. So right now you're a good brother. Uh, I've been further incentivized. All right. Um Question number 7. Yeah. What was the original purpose of wrestling being fake? Why not just have a real fight?
2: Uh, did somebody die?
1: No. Is that your final answer?
2: Well, I you said that it originated with, like, carnies and, like, carnival shows. It's got to be a show, and we can't have people really getting hurt. So we've got to have, like, repeat shows. So we can't have somebody so hurt that they can't have repeat shows. That's my
1: thinking, and I'll lock that in as a
3: final okay. answer. Uh,
1: It is incorrect. That will leave you at... <laughs> five and two all right um vanessa's texting me i'm gonna stall for a minute to see if she gets it okay she's out of time um the answer (laughs) is oh vanessa said because it wasn't actual sports so that had to be it oh because it wasn't regulated no you're both wrong oh Um, nice it was so they could rig the betting at the carnivals that's why wrestling was originally fake was so the carnies could manipulate people and rig the betting so greg is now uh five and three and vanessa uh, five and two five and three yeah five and 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 vanessa is six point five and (laughs) one
2: that was my chance to catch up to her i blew it
1: (laughs) it's all right it's all right um question number eight it is customary this is multiple choice okay it is a customary tradition to identify to other wrestlers that you were part of the business by doing this to every member of the locker room upon arrival at a show a
2: kiss on the mouth (laughs)
1: <laughs> close damn <A>, hey <laughs>
2: that's my clue too
1: too sweet them t o o sweet yeah greg oh i just too sweeted me b throw a working punch c chop them across the chest or d give them a secret handshake i feel like
2: so many of these are way too violent and then a secret handshake like if enough people know it that get into the business or whatever like it's not really a secret so i'm gonna go ahead and say it's a too sweet me bro
1: greg unfortunately that is incorrect and vanessa got it right and she said she wishes it was a too sweet damn because that would be cooler the correct answer was a secret handshake
2: really yeah well too sweet is a secret handshake so
1: that is kind of yeah. true, but it, I,
2: I thought well, too sweet was like some specific, like reference to some specific wrestlers, but it sounded it right here.
1: Well, everyone in wrestling at this point, too sweets. Um, and too sweeting is awesome to quote the song "Too sweet me. When you meet me Too sweet me, when you walk on by, show me some love when you greet me for the love of God Too sweet me. <laughs> Just, I love it. So I love "Too sweeting <laughs> people. Um, all that goes to say it's actually really cool the secret handshake is really really subtle um it's something that you will only catch if you're looking for it but back when it was a secret that wrestling was fake if someone they didn't know walked in the room everyone would start acting like it was real until they gave every single person in the room the secret handshake um and it's still like a tradition that lasts now um to say like hey i'm part of the business brother yeah um it's really subtle and to answer your questions, yes, I do know it and no, I won't teach anyone unless they work a show.
2: I, um, I I'm still going to assume it's a kiss. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going I'm going to kiss every wrestler I see no, until I'm proven subtle. wrong.
1: You you got to know what you're looking for and then you know it. Um so that what's that's what 6 and 4, 5 and 4? I 5
2: and 3, 5 and 4. 5, and, like three, five yeah. and 3, 5 and 3, 5 and 3. Okay.
1: I want more. Vanessa is uh, a seven and one. I need more brothers. All right. To nine. Question nine. Also multiple choice to be popular with the fans is to a have heat B have momentum C be sizzling D be over. I'm going to say
2: D be over
1: that is correct
2: yes ah, yes yes yes
1: <laughs> i i i wanted it to be sizzling but i thought that this was correct vanessa is also now 8.5 and 1 greg is 6 and 3 and that makes him a good brother brother all right oh question 10 last uh, last opportunity for more brothers what do we got Yep. what term is used interchangeably with nearly every noun by professional wrestlers
2: Oh, this is not multiple choice.
1: No, it's free response.
2: Every every noun. So not like
1: you can just chug and plug it with any noun and people will use context clues to figure out what you're talking about.
2: What? So, hold on. Like is this an in
1: the ring thing or is this not? No, no, it's it's out of the ring. They don't they hardly ever say it in the ring. But if you've listened to one episode of of stone cold's podcast you i know what i'm talking about I sure as shit haven't <laughs> damn
2: i'm all right so repeat the question real quick
1: as as you had it written repeat it what term is used interchangeably with nearly every noun by professional wrestlers
2: nearly every noun yeah. Like, not not even proper now. Not even talking about specific people. Just It's the
1: same thing of, like, uh, I could say, Greg, please collect your belongings, or Greg, get your shit. You know, like, it's, it's just kind of something you could throw in there, like, shit for stuff or whatever.
2: Oh, man. I feel like I should know this, but I feel like I'm running out of time here. I'm just going to say opponent.
1: Opponent opponent is incorrect we're waiting on a response from vanessa she said work and it is incorrect the answer was gimmick oh that's the that's our show i know we use it on our show Uh, vanessa says it was a bad question um (laughs) gimmick it'd be like hey brother uh damn it where's where's the trash gimmick i need to throw away my trash
2: i wow i never would have guessed that in a million years and i don't feel any shame about it
1: well greg you're a good brother brother don't worry about it um you finished at six yes yes, six and uh six and four uh and uh vanessa finished at uh 8.5 and two and holy shit there's a bonus question (laughs) oh my god can you believe it gold dust bonus question what is the Dark Stallions win loss record? What? Oh, oh! That's me dipshit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said, "Oh, I did," I didn't recognize it was you. Uh, win loss record. I don't know this at all.
1: Do you want to take a guess?
2: I'm gonna say three and two.
1: Close. Vanessa's not even typing anything, so she's done. The correct answer is one, two, and one.
2: One, two, and one, man. I
1: only won one match, and the finish happened uh, when I was laying on the ground outside the ring, and my partner pinned. Uh, <laughs> pinned the loser,
2: <laughs> buddy. That counts.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, thank you for participating in this round of Ambush Trivia. Yeah. Um, probably going to be a recurring gimmick. We probably shouldn't do it every week, but I actually thought, one, it was a receipt. How could I not?
4: There you and go. And two,
1: it might clear up some terminology for the, for the listeners. So Yeah,
2: it was educational and a punishment. My favorite things. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: like a, little, a little peek behind the gimmick here denny had texted me and said wow the ambush trivia thing was a uh, was a good a good bit we, we we should do that in the future i was like all right maybe in like seven weeks we'll hit each other with another one depending on the episode i should have known it was coming today
1: Oops. for what it's worth when i sent that text that's what i was thinking too and then i was like hmm. wait a minute like days later i was like i'm gonna do it this week <laughs> like, but when i texted you i was like that's the truest ambush. He'll think it's coming later, so I get him right back.
2: <laughs> You're like Anton Chigurh just wandering right back into the scene, scene of the crime. That's yeah. fucking awesome.
1: No country for old marks.
2: <laughs> no gimmick for old men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it turns They're out there's a, a lot of gimmicks for a lot of super old men because yeah. we're here to talk about the, res- the res- resurrection of Jake the Snake hell yeah that's our first movie today uh 2015 documentary that you can watch on amazon prime and i think a few other places i'm pretty uh, sure
1: i watched it on hulu i think it's included with the with the subscription yeah actually it's, to hulu
2: i guess it's with your hulu subscription it's with your amazon prime subscription people want you to watch this you're not oh, really wait. Gonna no have it's
1: to... on it's on prime it's on prime i watched uh Arquette on hulu
3: you're right. okay
2: yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah uh, well, I watched this one on Prime for free, and I think online it was a couple other places like Tubi or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- th- this was readily available f- for you. Do you want me to? I feel weird summarizing these, you know. But do you want I me? I kind of want
1: to hear you do it. I'll I'll do it, but like it would be fun to hear you summarize <clears throat> it.
2: It's it's interesting because I'm summarizing something that's a specific niche interest to you, and also I'm summarizing a documentary true yeah there there's nothing up for interpretation here we're just looking at the facts so summaries are pretty easy even though i don't know the whole backstory to this guy yeah, yeah.
1: um do you want to do it or you want me to do it you going for it
2: yeah i'll, I'll knock it out here do no it part. the resurrection of jake the snake is about the resurrection of a man named jake and his nickname is the snake his last name is roberts that's not his real name but who cares he's a wrestler
1: aurelian smith
2: that's right ah, damn from nasty old gainesville texas Ugh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: so jake the snake he was a hugely popular and su- pretty successful and very revered and talented wrestler back in the 80s and 90s his gimmick was he would walk into the ring and he would have a big canvas bag on him and inside was a snake and sometimes that shit got really scary yeah. But uh his his glory days are gone. He retired from wrestling and he just like unfortunately so many other people that leave professional wrestling, found himself uh running to the comforts of drugs and alcohol and succumbed to addiction of those things. And this is a documentary kinda of catching up with him and he's just realized like I'm I'm hitting rock bottom here. There's no positive outcome to the way i'm living my life and he reaches out to an old wrestling friend known as diamond dallas page who has a uh, kind of a self-care yoga program that he's kind of getting off the ground where he's training other former professional wrestlers it seems like to better themselves and they wind up living in the same house together they move in they kind of grow the business i guess you could say that they're creating and they're trying to tackle this addiction tackle these issues um rehab him in a physical manner to where like he was almost unable to walk and mr roberts eventually was able to like physically overcome these things it's just it's a tough watch man because addiction doesn't just get beaten in the span of a 90 minute documentary it is a constant lifelong battle and there's slips and falls there's hills that you climb you make it to the top of and then you just slip and fall again and this is just kind of a peek behind the curtain of a former wrestler trying to get back into good graces with wrestling itself and also just his family and trying to live his life better that's the longest summary i've ever given yeah (laughs) and i felt every i felt every second of it because this was this was a really um the story itself is incredibly powerful and incredibly inspiring and unfortunately in a lot of senses incredibly realistic for people that deal with addictions of different kinds
3: Mm.
2: denny speak to these things
1: Um, well, my relationship with this movie, I don't know. Do you want to do yours since we're on it?
3: You have one no, before no, this?
2: Never seen it, never heard of it. Didn't grow up on wrestling, so I think I'd only heard of Jake the Snake Roberts maybe a couple times. So, I don't have okay. like a really deep relationship with any of the content that I saw here.
1: Yeah. Um Jake Roberts and uh the dude who showed up about midway through, Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh they were public train wrecks um for for like a decade. Um, just like the, their addiction constantly getting, getting the better of them in the public eye. Um, they were both viewed and I'm following along with all this as it's happening, you know, like, um, since like, since the mid nineties, these dudes have been known to be like out of control addicts. Like, just like it's, it, it, they had real serious problems, (coughs) um, shortened both of their careers. Um, And they were both viewed as huge lost causes um, just by, like, the wrestling community and just about everybody except DDP himself. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just viewed as something that was never going to get better, and it was not a if we're going to hear they died, but a win, you know? A win and a how, yeah. Yeah, um, and probably way too soon is what everybody assumed. Uh, And, uh, man, I was—it was just so cool to watch this documentary— because I was following along with it all as it happened in, in real life. You know, like, uh, Jake, Scott Hall, and DDP were all very, very, uh, very public about what was going on. And, like, mm. really trying to, like, get the rallying cry behind everybody. And, uh, man, I was watching when they were, you know, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching Jake's big Spoilers. Raw return. Yeah, like, it was... And so it was that stuff was already emotional and it was just so cool i saw this movie several years ago um and and just rewatched it for the second time now um man i've seen it two or three times actually but just so cool to see just the journey and to get a closer look at their lives and uh man honestly if there if there's a weakness in the content of the documentary um I just I don't think they went far enough into like the mental health issues that are the root of the addiction and are the root of the behaviors. Um, I listen I've listened to a lot of in depth podcasts with Jake Roberts and Scott Hall on them. Um, like both very serious cases of PTSD. Um, Jake they they went into some of Jake's abuse. Um, they it they didn't go into the half of it though. You know like it was yeah. the, what what that poor poor man grew up the situations he was in unbelievable um and uh uh, scott hall grew up in a military family with an intimidating father and uh also like killed a man in self-defense in his early 20s uh when he was a nightclub bouncer um and you know like yeah most people in his life didn't know that until he started talking about it in like the 2010s yeah um wow no way. and uh but and like the police were involved it was all <laughs> everything was good legally yeah it you know, was like
2: yeah it wasn't like a secret to keep him out of trouble it was a secret for like public perception kind of thing exactly yeah. yeah
1: um and man like there's there's another famous wrestling documentary um beyond the mat um it was actually nominated for this week's poll um it it covers jake while he's in active addiction just like at his worst and it's also a really famous documentary from like 1999 that like played in theaters because wrestling was really big at the time Mm -hmm. um and so like it's just even cooler to see like the uh that treated it as like look how dark this man's life is and didn't really do a lot to help you know like and it's just cool to get another look into jake the snake's life and uh and see the redemption man and see people care and see him Warts and all. They showed Jake at some really, really rough moments, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, doing some addict shit. Like I that's that's what addiction does to your brain and the behaviors that result from it are a lot of uh emotional terrorism on others, uh lying, defensiveness, manipulation, and uh you know uh, yeah. thinking or tricking people into thinking you drank abuse and sneakily dropping it down the sink. I was like, Oh, that's such a pro addict move. Like He's good at it. You know, like he's good at what he's doing.
2: That kind of stuff is what made me like really interested to hear what you had to say about this, because Mm -hmm. if this was a, like the identical documentary, but about like an NFL star, yeah, like something that you, I assume wouldn't know anything about the person or the subject, right? Like I would want to hear what you would have to say about the signs of addiction and what, A person that is addicted to drugs and alcohol the way they behave and treat people that they say that they love and they really do love and then in moments where addiction takes over uh abuse those relationships i was i was kind of curious what you had to say about that it's got to be like so much more intense or like engaging for you that it's i'm sure this is a guy that you grew up watching right yep most or definitely like a storied guy maybe you yeah. were watching after his time a little bit yeah but, but I, I grew up on the tail on, end on,
1: on vhs from his prime good yeah exactly on the tail end. he was like, he was on the tail end when i started watching but uh but yeah i grew up on prime jake the snake here and there he wasn't one of my like mainstay guys but like <laughs> The older you get and like you realize his unique style and his promos and just how over and how good he really really was you know like you can't not think the guy's a legend right um uh for context i managed a sober living for two years and worked uh worked as an outpatient therapist as well at an addiction treatment center um man i would say i would expect an addict to act exactly like jake did in this movie um Addiction is not the use. That's not the sickness. That's not the illness. Um, the real illness is what addiction does to your thinking. Um, that's the, the, the using part is the part that's easy to understand. It's the part you can see. Um, man, it warps your brain. Um, basically, addiction digs a basement in the hierarchy of needs. Um, and, uh, oh my gosh. Like, in the same way that your brain is telling you... You need oxygen. Their brain is telling them uh, you need your drug of choice. Mm -hmm. Um, On that level, you'll die without it. You have to get it now. And so, like, basically to maintain an addiction, to be active in your addiction, you have to lie. You have to manipulate. And you have to mistreat people. Like, it's, it's the only way you could be active in your addiction. And Um, there's like,
2: there's like scenes where scenes, it's not fake, but you know, there's, there's moments in this where he just will not own up to the truth and he will lie and manipulate to the bitter end to his friends who know, like, we know you've been drinking, like, we know what happened. You just, just tell us. And like, we're here because we love you and we want to help you. And he's just like, adamantly, no, no, no. Yeah. And it's because that's, I, based on what you're saying is kind of like, that's his brain, that's his brain's way of telling him, we need this to breathe. This is what keeps yeah. us alive. This isn't yeah. like, ooh, we want to be sneaky and we don't want to get in trouble. This is how our heart keeps beating. So yeah. keep
1: this up or else we die, basically, right? Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely what it is. And there's also like, there's a heart cause like relapse is part of recovery. Um, like it's, it's, it's not as simple as like have a moment of clarity and get clean or at least not for most people. Uh, you know, like that, that does happen, but it's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, relapse is part of recovery and typically, you know, what comes up is, this is what's really hard for someone who's like where Jake was when we saw him in this is, uh, what what my clients would tell me pretty frequently is like relapsing brings up a lot of shame Um, and basically you're at a point in the process where you've committed to do the work you know like you know you're probably not gonna keep living like you've been living Um, you wanted to have you just couldn't resist the temptation for a night or, or got hit with an unexpected stressor or something like that so you have shame that you relapsed and you also have avoidance of like the shame you're gonna have when you tell everyone you relapsed and so basically when you're in that space you're like i just don't want this to be a thing i just don't want it to be a thing i don't this it's make this go away oh my god everyone's noticing you you just you don't want to face it um there's also something I heard Jake say on a podcast one time that I think is so... Like, this is what I would give everyone who loves someone who's dealing with addiction is... Jake was like, dude, everyone thinks like addicts are happy when they're using... Because they have what they want. They're not. They're doing something that makes them hate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're doing it compulsively. And so they're just in such a place of shame and self-hate. And there's also... like, If you know about Jake's PTSD... That dude's in fight or flight, you know. Like he, like Scott Hall makes fun of a bad haircut he gets, and Jake like can't handle it because mm. because he was he was criticized and abused so much in he put, his childhood.
2: He, he puts on a brave face for like a yeah. little bit, and then he has to leave the room. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's his shame is so powerful, and like trauma is all about your perception of the event, and as far as like as far as your trauma responses your brain only picks up on the cosmetics of the situation Mm -hmm. so if if your trauma happened in the fall you might get triggered by the leaves turning um and so on some level in like the caveman brain that we all have right jake has an association of if someone's mocking me i'm about to be like horrifically abused even if he like front of the brain knows that's not about to happen there's like a back of the brain lizard brain moment you know like of Mm -hmm. yes it is don't you ever let your guard down again or you'll die you know um man i i just jake reminded me of so many people in my sober living that i managed like he that's 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 the monster of addiction it's what it does to people and it's it's also compulsive um and man it, it's just hard man the addicts are all dealing with a lot of shame and i think you see a lot of jake's shame in this documentary and it's real oh and the biggest insight i would give is this it's something we always said um sobriety is not the opposite of addiction uh, community is um mm. addiction is a thing that happens in isolation everyone just leave me alone I don't want to be messed with. I just want to like self-destruct by myself. Um, community is the opposite of addiction, connecting with others. And I think that's that's what you see more than anything, even though like Jake and Scott Hall, at least like to the, to what was disclosed in this documentary, weren't really getting the help of any like trained clinicians. Dallas Page was like, dude, you're going to come and live in my house. You're going to live like I live. You're going to have rules and we're going to connect. Like, you're going to rejoin society, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And, man, it, it worked for those dudes. It's so fucking cool.
2: Yeah, most definitely. One of one of my notes is, you know, the, the cycle of addiction is shown way too real here. Even, yeah. I, I knew, like, you know, at a certain point during the movie, like, even when things were looking good, that even if this documentary ends on, like, a happy note, which it does, I know that it's not actually over and like he he is aware of his addiction is like like you know if i do all these things that i'm swearing i'm gonna do and if i make it to where i want to be in part of my recovery i'm still going to be battling this addiction to Mm -hmm. the day i die Mm -hmm. and it is simultaneously like discouraging that he has to deal with that and you know he's going to have his down times where he will relapse but it is also reaffirming that he has the support system that i think he needs and that community yeah. that him and mr dd page were growing is going to be there for him Yeah. well um, one
1: of my friends who has uh, been in recovery for nearly two decades now has told me because like a lot of a lot of our clients died when i worked in addiction treatment like it was hard um this is a disease that kills people guys um uh he told me that something he would like tell me when we would lose someone was like hey man there's a really weird thing in recovery culture where like when someone dies in a period of sobriety it's kind of bittersweet because that's the goal right like Mm -hmm. to 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 die sober that's, that's how you know you made it, right? Like, you you battle it every day. Um, everybody has ups and downs in their battle with it. Um, and, you know, at an AA meeting where someone died in a period of sobriety, there's this, like, ah, they made it to the end, man. You know, like, there's this, like, I just got chills saying it. Um, and to that note, I mean, uh, Scott Hall passed away two weeks ago. Yeah,
2: I did. I did want to bring that up
1: yeah um man partially because of this movie it was i, I usually don't have a a, a a real strong connection with celebrity deaths i'm always i'm usually like hey i knew their work i didn't know them i'll miss the i'll miss their work but i yeah. try to have like the boundary but like dude scott hall is someone who's like words in this movie i think about every single day that have gotten me through such hard times and uh it kind of came out that he did not die in a period of sobriety um yeah he was he was doing really well for a really long time and uh apparently which was this was extremely common by the way um the the pandemic did him in um he'd been having a rough couple of years uh and died tragically He, he broke his hip in his home and was apparently there for there for two days before he was able to get to a phone and uh it didn't come out until after but one of his close friends sean waltman in the business shared publicly that uh these last two years had been really rough on him that staying sober during quarantine was hard and something that really uh something that really helped him was you know getting on the road being at conventions doing appearances at wrestling shows just like having something to do all day you know Mm -hmm. um that's just it's absolutely tragic man uh but even then, I was like, man, how beautiful is this? That Because, like, like, Scott Hall, he died from, uh, he broke his hip. They had surgery to replace it. And then uh, blood clots came loose, and he had three heart attacks and was on life support a couple days. And even with the context, I'm like, man, Scott Hall died in a hospital bed surrounded by people who loved him instead of alone in his house surrounded by empty bottles. Mm-hmm. You- you gotta count that as a win if you know where he was. You know, like you've really gotta count that as a win yeah. if you know where he, d- he was.
2: He died. Oh, it sounds like he died at a low point and not at rock bottom.
1: That that w- sounds right. We yeah. we still don't know a ton about it, um, but man. yeah,
2: exactly. I'll, it's all speculative, and obviously, I don't know the situation, but that's yeah. what it sounds like, and it does sound like good news coming from obviously very bad news yeah and trying trying to put silver linings on it i guess
1: well and this is what you've got to. and this is where like the shame cycle of addiction comes in a lot is that like a lot of the reason to like keep keep using after you've started using again is you for some reason think that like all of the previous work doesn't count if you relapsed you know um and really i look at it and i'm like man addiction's a goddamn monster and it fucking got him but dude, he did the work. He kicked some ass and he got 6 years of like living a really full life full of like love and connection and celebration that he wouldn't have had if he didn't do all that work and dude, that counts. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. the, him him relapsing and dying in a in a reportedly hard place, that doesn't undo all those good years, man. You know, like those are those are just as real as the bad years and It's really cool man i'm I'm grateful i really am grateful that i got to watch him because i mean like we'll get into it more but like man this movie and specifically scott hall even more so than jake roberts i just felt such a connection to him and his his struggles with ptsd and just how open he's been about it and I, i i quote him to my clients in therapy i quote him to myself on my drive to work all the damn time man like it's it's Mm. a loss it's a heavy loss
2: yeah man yeah for sure and like as someone that's not even like interested in i wouldn't say interested that's someone that's not really privy to all the stuff we're talking about like i still felt people's um dealing with that loss of him it seems like he was a really revered person
1: he was he was not just like a
2: not just like an old cool guy from before but people loved him the whole way through and yeah i mean you
1: look at you look at his history and it's like yeah there was some hazing stuff he was involved in but like even at his worst in his addiction seems like he mostly just abused himself you know Mm -hmm. like that even even in his addiction he was still pretty cool to everybody you know like the most harm he did to most people was they worried about him cause he was destroying himself. But Scott Hall was always known like even before like his sobriety and his recovery, he was known as like a really cool dude who was pretty, pretty awesome that people really liked. Um, and you know, on the other side of the coin, Jake, the snake Roberts works for AEW now and does uh, like, yeah. does, he manages Lance Archer. He does promos every now and again. Uh, he had some health issues last year. Um, but like he's he's in wrestling again and like mentoring younger people and occasionally doing some spots on tv and it's just really really awesome to see
2: yeah hell yeah man that rules yeah um do we want to get into uh gimmicks on this one
1: yeah why not i don't think there's a ton to discuss really right
2: yeah there's not really a lot to say on the subject matter except for you know what we saw and of course it came out seven years ago, so kind of where are we at now with yeah. these people? And I, I feel like we covered that pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we do have a new gimmick this week. It's the gimmick of the week.
1: Yes, we do.
2: Denny, the gimmick of this week is our favorite mark-out moment. Denny, please, like I texted you the other day, what is a mark-out
1: moment? A mark-out moment is... Uh... Is when something awesome is happening, but it's even more awesome because you're such a fan of this particular thing happening. And it's just like for a moment something cool is happening to the point that like briefly wrestling is real to you again and you're mm-hmm. just jumping up and down, yelling and excited and just completely caught up in the insanity of it all and the energy of it all. It's the the markout moment. Um, what's your yeah. mark out moment for this?
2: Uh, we had a, I think we had a few options here, but the one I landed on was, there was a point a little over halfway through where he's in one of his, um, upswing phases. Yeah. And Jake's had, like, he hurt his shoulder, I think. Yeah. And then he needs some crowdfunding to help pay for the surgery. And they put the crowdfunding up and before they even know like how much money they got his, his daughter is there visiting them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's interviews throughout the movie with his kids and just like how they kind of felt like we like, we were just kind of left by the wayside while he continued his wrestling career. Yeah. And then seeing his daughter like actually visiting him in recovery and, like, on the day that he finds out that he had, like, crowdf- crowdfunded almost all of the money he needed for his surgery, that was my favorite mark-out moment. It was just, like, the recovery is coming through. Like, all all the stuff I said about, like, it's going to be an eternal battle for him. Yeah. The, like, having your community, but then, like, your family becoming a part of that, and stuff turning out for the better from people that love you that you've never even met. Like that was yeah. such a huge moment for him that I like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give it to anything else personally, even though there are other very high notes. I think that was a big one for me.
1: That was cool. And to supplement that something, uh, something people said about Scott Hall, cause he did, he did a crowdfunding for his surgery too. I don't remember if it made it into the doc, did it? I
2: don't think so. No,
1: Scott, Scott Hall had to do the same thing. Um, and, uh, And basically, like, I think Bret Hart said it that, like, Scott Hall was a dick to fans before that. Um, And then after that happened, his, like, the way he interacted with fans completely changed. Like, everyone Mm -hmm. has all these stories since then of, like, Scott Hall doing, like, free signings, giving them free stuff that he was supposed to charge for, going out of their way, you know, like, just, like, doing awesome stuff because it was so transformative to see like how much so many people really cared about him, you know? And I think that's, that's gotta be true for Jake too. Um, yeah, man. and yeah, man, it, it's just rad. It's just the positivity's out of control at some points in this movie. Um, my markout moment is, uh, it's something that makes me happy every time. And it's actually cause one of my favorite wrestlers is marking out, which makes me mark out. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, uh when jake makes the return on raw and he does the snake spot um the person he drops the snake on at the time was known as dean ambrose um now he's mm-hmm. john now he's john moxley in aew mm-hmm. uh jake the snake was his favorite wrestler as a kid um and his character is always really really serious and i uh, i can't find the image but like at the time someone got a close-up on his face um when when the snake was on him and he just has this like childlike glee um of like <laughs> oh my god jake the snake just dropped a snake like it's just like yeah it's special for him too. you know like it's him marking out like uh, corpsing you know like breaking uh, character it, the camera didn't really catch it but someone got a photo of just like how happy he was to be in the ring doing a bit with jake the snake like it's that makes me happy every time i see it that's that rules man that's yeah. <laughs> that's awesome yeah what's uh Another what's... one of the positive highs but
2: yeah hell yeah you're gonna ask me for a favorite line
1: favorite line brother
2: this one like i was kind of determined to go to like at a certain point i realized like having a favorite line like didn't really make sense for this one not only because it's a documentary but i just felt like the subject matter was like a little too heavy to really have like a favorite line yeah so i went with jake the snakes ro jake the snake roberts's t-shirt that says how to ddt and it's got a little diagram awesome and i i love that everything else yeah i didn't i didn't really feel like favorite line material for myself and the way i kind of choose that
1: fair i've got one uh i think about it literally every day i say it to my clients and it's gotten me through some hard times because I found it to be 100% true and it's really cheesy and that's why it's even better because when when something's cheesy and it's powerful, that's like next level. You know, like, it's Scott mm-hmm. Hall in his Hall of Fame speech ending with hard work. <laughs> yes. Hard work pays off. Dreams can come true. Bad times don't last, but bad times guys do Oh, I just got chills <laughs> saying it. I love it so much, man. It makes me cry. It makes me cry, man. That cheesy little poem.
2: Yeah. And <sighs> it 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 rules. That's so perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect best line. Well done. Uh, I, I, I knew figure you would out have a
1: design. S- I'm going to get that tattooed. No yeah. doubt about it. Okay.
2: Yeah. We'll discuss later. But yeah, that's I knew you would have something for this one. That's a good one.
1: Thanks, brother, brother. Uh, what's your critic or score?
2: Yeah, well, this is where I kind of got to be a little bit of a bummer. It's, I, it's I, fair. I I clearly loved the subject matter presented. Yes. I I don't love how this documentary was made.
1: It's not a well-made documentary. It's yeah. No bounds about no bones about it.
2: Yeah. Um. Clearly, I love the people involved. I love the subject matter. It's it's very. It's a story that I'm glad we had eyes on. Yeah there were a lot of moments where stuff was extremely vague yeah where all of a sudden jake is has relapsed and we're just like wait what he did what like what's happening did he drink yeah. like what's going on stuff there's stu- a lot of stuff that's not very clear there's moments where like chris jericho is like out of focus in his talking head like come on yeah. and then then there's like there's this feeling I get like the documentarians were not welcome in the house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like diamond Dallas page is like answering questions, but he's got this look on his face of just like, I'm answering this because I'm being nice. I'm not comfortable with you being in my bedroom right now. That kind of thing. Like it's it's just kind of this sense of like, uh, we didn't, we have permission but we're not really pals in a sense we're not literally like we're not disappearing into the background like we need to be as filmmakers and that's that that kind of threw me off more than a few
1: times i've got some thoughts on that that i can give you or some context yeah yeah whatever hit me um one of the documentarians is a dude named louis benson um he made a post on Reddit a couple years ago that was like Hey, just so you guys know, Cody Rhodes is actually like a really big douchebag. Um he's <laughs> okay. he's a douche to fans. Um which is like for as controversial as Cody Rhodes is, he's known for like being a really cool guy in real life, you know, <laughs> like um being very charitable and giving. Um and the dude was like, Yeah, I work for I work for a production company that does videos for AEW and uh I was told that like Cody doesn't want to interact with me and that I'm not supposed to be around, um, and then like it comes sound out that f-
2: sound familiar? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, it comes out that he's uh, he's one of the uh, he's one of the documentarians for this, um, and then there's like first of all he had a bunch of like shithead tweets like he said like he's he made like homophobic jokes at Cody on Twitter or something. It was something like that. Um, okay and then there were people like found all the deleted footage of him like do you remember when ddp's doing that like when like the guy's like it's ddp's recipes and pages. is like that's lame um, yeah that's not <laughs> like, fun he, he
2: says like that's not funny
1: yeah <laughs> there's like more videos of him like bothering the wrestlers to do that segment um and like scott hall seems really annoyed as shit with him and basically the like the the take on it like the court of public opinion decided was like i'm pretty sure your boss told you to stay away from cody Rhodes because you're difficult and annoying and i think mm-hmm. i think some of the people that were working in production uh might have been a little markish um is 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 kind of kind of the vibe i get um but i'd agree with you go on
2: yeah like that's that's basically it i you, the context you gave i'm i'm not surprised that i picked up on that and everything like because i picked up on all that everything you just said doesn't surprise me in any way so yeah just i got i got that vibe and it was a bad vibe despite everything you know happening uh i gave this one a 21 out of 40 which is a little bit above 50 a
1: little stiff ski
2: I, I, I love what was presented, and I love the people that we're dealing with. I did not love how this was made. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll maybe expound a little details when we get into You Cannot Kill David Arquette, but, yeah. The, just I'm, document, Documentaries can also have storytelling. I'll yeah, just say that.
1: I, I think it's like the story <clears throat> itself is so powerful that I still really like it a lot, despite some, some filmmaking shortcomings. Because, like, I don't know, man. You could have just, like, had Jake Roberts, DDP, and Scott Hall sit and tell the story on a podcast, and it probably <laughs> would have still, like, been really powerful because it's a powerful story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I also, there's there's, I don't know that they knew they were making a documentary the whole time um like they were i think they were filming like just some web series content you know like and i I don't know if they all because i i know that like that trick-or-treat scene where trick-or-treaters come up um to their door i remember watching that clip like on their youtube channel you know like uh so i don't know there was a lot of grainy stuff and also like again I think there was even more depth to the story than was portrayed and they portrayed a lot of depth, you know, but I'm like, man, it's a movie format. Yeah. I I think we could have done more talking heads. We could have gone deeper. Um, maybe some talking heads with like, with Jake and Scott, you know, like just to give a deeper perspective and all that. But, um, I gave it, I actually just bumped it up. I had it at a 33 out of 50. Um, i just bumped it up to a 36 just because i was like you know what i i I never really know how to uh i know i never i never know how to score documentaries because they're just such a different beast that's the other part of it yeah i know something that i always look for was did you do your best to like not shape the narrative too unnaturally you know like that's a documentary is always biased you're out of your mind if you think it's not Mm. um I think this was pretty accurate with my understanding of, of wrestling history, uh, and I've listened to a lot on these guys. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem like there was, like, a lot of, like, spin, you know? Um, so that's good. Uh, also, I something I look for is does it, like, shed a new light on something? You know, like, does it does – it, uh, does it bring? Does it bring a different level of depth to a subject matter? Basically, does it have a reason to exist, right? Is yeah. or is it just another take on something you already knew? Um, and I think this did that pretty well, um, especially just like showing some really raw addiction. It's not that that's never been done before, but um, and they like, but like with in this context with these people um, in this world, and also with like dude literally there wasn't much of a plan like they documented something really really cool that really really happened is one guy who has like figured out how to be healthy cared about two other guys and taught them how to be healthy and it actually fucking worked you know like that's Mm -hmm. you you don't know how truly rare a successful intervention is in addiction treatment like that's that's this is like an anomaly and a really cool thing that happened in the world. Anyway, I bumped it up to a thirty-six just because I, I thought it was pretty damn powerful despite not really being a well-made film. Yeah. So yeah.
2: Perfectly good.
1: It's my little take and cheese.
2: Yeah, the Hart families have a picture of you on their mantle, <laughs> alongside a picture of Minnesota former Governor Jesse Ventura. Ventura. <laughs> And then uh, there's there's also a uh, throw pillow on the couch, embroidered with the words, seamless edit. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Hart family home.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. We're back, everybody. We're having a low energy wrestling episode. (laughs) You've got
2: me self-conscious, man, because during the Clusterfuck episode, you were like, You said, and we're back. Greg always says that, but it's always, like, from the perception of the audience, it's only ever been, like, three seconds. I'm like, okay, piss off, man.
1: (laughs) Dude, don't read too much into it. It was a clusterfuck. I will. What happens in the clusterfuck stays in the clusterfuck.
2: Yeah, there's been many a thing said between seamless edits that <laughs> has not made it to the air
1: and sometimes there's things said on air that don't make it to the air because greg's edits are actually seamless
2: mostly it's just me <laughs> sounding stupid or farting so <laughs> <laughs> all right Speaking- i was
1: upset that you cut out the, the one where you couldn't think of the truman show <laughs> Because I was proud of how much I trolled you.
2: I cannot express how pissed off I was that I could not remember the Truman <laughs> Show.
1: And I'm sitting there naming every other Jim Carrey movie ever made, and Greg's just getting progressively more mad.
2: Uh, I it I was only mad at myself in that moment.
1: <laughs> I and wasn't I, helping. Give me that. I trolled. I trolled a little.
2: The edit was so seamless, though. I didn't. I didn't even declare it. Thankfully. Yeah. Here it is now. All right, Abraxas, is that what we're here to talk about? Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe. Boy, howdy, man. This fucking movie. So the whole episode was basically, you know, we'll do movies that are either about wrestling, that star a famous wrestler, or are specifically like, in this case, like in the other two cases, documentaries about pro wrestling or pro wrestlers. This is the... (laughs) This was my choice. A movie that stars a famous wrestler at the time that I don't know anything about. I don't know Jesse Ventura. So, like, I wasn't connected with him at all. But a while back, you got the DVD for this film, Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe. Yep. And... (laughs) I, I i i didn't see any other choice honestly but to pick this movie for this episode
1: yeah it's <coughs> I, I i jesse ventura is an interesting cat um so i've heard he's former governor of minnesota um honestly was one of the first wrestlers to uh to sort of uh get crossover appeal you know like uh b- before hogan um and then hogan kind of upstaged him and it was pretty clear throughout that thing you're doing with your tongue in your glass um it was pretty clear throughout uh, hulk hogan's career that hulk hogan felt very threatened by jesse ventura and uh and felt the need to one-up him um it, it, like like when jesse ventura was governor of minnesota mm. um hulk hogan without Still thinking funny. announced that he was running for president um and never actually ran but just just it was pretty clear what motivated that um what's a, what's also, one
0: step above minnesota
1: <laughs>
2: america
1: do, do you want to know something really cool about jesse ventura for all of his all the all time craziness all the time i want to know um, he organized a bunch of wrestlers to hold up wrestlemania 2 um to unionize and to refuse to oh, perform the show the day no before way. the show. Um and guess who ratted him out to the boss?
2: Um I'm going to say it might have been a little man named Andre the Dr- Hulk Hogan Hulk possibly
1: Hogan fucking ratted like wrestling might have unionized because of Jesse Ventura. Like what would Vince have done? WrestleMania 2 day before the show they were gonna they were gonna hold it up wow and hulk hogan the one wrestler who would not have benefited from from unionization in the world squashed it on fucking believable
2: well i guess given what we know about the hh now the double h not as good as triple h dude um uh, that shouldn't come as a surprise i guess
1: it was always known that <coughs> Hulk Hogan was a like a piece of shit, like just like a shitty dude, and then they caught him on camera saying, "Yep, that is correct. I am racist." <laughs> you know, like that, It uh, it dropped the proverbial leg on his public image. Um, and uh, man, hey,
2: it's
3: hey. like
1: hey. We're not
2: here to talk about that, man. We're here to focus on the positive times. There we a, go. A movie that
1: features, I would say, almost no racism. I think. I wasn't I wasn't keeping count. I, I wasn't was l- tracking it.
2: I was a little tipsy, which is the right way to watch this movie. Abraxas... I would not recommend
1: watching a Braxis sober unless you're in recovery. Then I would just recommend not watching a Braxis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you're in recovery, especially for alcohol, do not watch Braxis. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to summarize it for us real quick? Since it yeah. was my
1: pick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Cause I've <laughs> because I watched of... it twice, and I don't feel like I have a good working knowledge of it. Still.
2: I, I know you're going to go way too long to try to figure out what happened. <laughs> when this, this just needs a short, concise summarization here. So, Abraxis, guardian of the comma, guardian. There was a colon. Guardian of the universe, Guardians of the Galaxy prequel. <laughs> is about an alien cop who's He's ten thousand. He's a finder. You're, you're stepping on my toes, your brother.
1: <laughs> Sorry, brother, brother.
2: It, I, it doesn't matter. That's the thing. Braxus is a ten thousand year old alien cop who <laughs> his old his old partner has oh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. His old partner is on Earth, and he's got a woman pregnant just by touching her tummy, and now her baby is going to contain the anti-life equation in his brain. And such a time that his old partner sees fit, he's going to access this formula, and in life as we know it, I think, I guess, probably, don't know, don't really care. Abraxas has to kill this child so the equation dies but guess what his mom's kind of hot so doesn't kill the kid decides that the real solution is to kill his old partner Uh, I've got his name over here it's Secundus Abraxas and Secundus used to be pals now they're foes so Secundus must die for Abraxas to be successful here
1: but and I, I can't think kill this kill pl- him because finders are exempt from, from the death penalty.
2: Yeah. Secundus looks at him and says, finders keepers, Abraxas weepers. I'm pretty sure this was filmed in Minnesota. That's what it looks like at least.
1: <laughs> <laughs> checks out. Checks out.
2: So I don't know, man. Um,
1: what's, what's your relationship, Greg? What's your relationship with the flick?
2: I kind of said it earlier where like I know you have the D- DVD for this one and I've been low-key wanting to watch it every time it comes up in my head i'm like i gotta see that with denny and then i didn't watch it until just the other day by the way this this movie you can find it on amazon prime and it will be an imdb tv feature so it will roll with ads which means i get a bonus gimmick Uh, (laughs) but if if you're at denny's house you can watch it on dvd with him yes did you did i assume you watch your dvd
1: of course i did so and you it did took not me watch a long the... time to find it
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man it was buried old under some older much better movies
1: yes somewhere. that's exactly where it was and it's despite having two movies it was one of those like thin dvd cases you know what i'm talking about i know uh, exactly the one it yeah. was really hard to find it was really hard to find on my shelf but i found it um my relationship with this is i watched it a couple of years ago it actually made it onto one of the annual movie lists just because i was like no fucking way i heard someone like <laughs> reference it on a podcast and i was like wait a minute jesse ventura in something called abraxis and then you hear like the horn of abraxis and mandy you know like, like and we
2: we think those are related
1: no one's got proof but i don't know what else it is and that i like to think they are <laughs> mandy is full of movie references you know mm-hmm. like um and so I watched some it good, one time bad. and I was really, really drunk um, <laughs> and, and Then I watched it again and I was uh, just a little tipsy. So that's that's my whole relationship with it. Uh, let's just get into the fucking discussion because this is that's all you need, buddy. <laughs> this is the most this is the craziest thing we've watched since Swamp Thing, I think i agree
2: this is unhinged as fuck i will say to this movie's credit i was never bored not once (laughs) this is the perfect have a few beers with your friends and watch it pay attention only with your eyes and you're gonna have a great time sometimes with your ears (laughs) it's it's fun it's a fun
1: fun watch it belongs on like a red letter media best of the worst. that's that's the kind of fun that it is. I think I think
2: there is a riff tracks of this movie. The guys nice. that did Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they did a riff tracks of this movie and awesome. well deserved because this is fodder for that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's like it's so so nakedly ripping off Terminator, right. Um, dude oh my god
2: to the point where sorry to interrupt but yeah to the point where jesse ventura literally says you should have terminated him and i was expecting him to look at the camera and put it on sunglasses
1: (laughs) well (laughs) that's guys (laughs) they're they're called finders instead of terminators which is such a fucking downgrade a fucking finder like hufflepuffs are good finders and so then I was like, oh, so they can't acknowledge it. It wasn't just the one time. They said terminate so many fucking times in this movie. A They're constantly times, yeah. talking about terminating things over and over and over again. Like, I couldn't believe just how nakedly they would do that. Um, and then I, I asked myself this, and I answered my own question, right? Um, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." was there some sort of, like, culture war of people not believing in right and wrong in the 80s because there's so many of this is 90 right or i don't remember it's when 90, it 90 90 yeah top,
2: yeah
1: well there's so many like action movies where it's constantly like don't you understand you have to be a nihilist and indiscriminately kill people it's the only way and then the hero's like not me i still yeah. believe in good and evil and I like I asked myself I was like where did that come from like was there some anti right and wrong movement and then I realized it's Reagan era propaganda like that's what this is it's like trying to convince you that all the deviants you know like all the all the people who aren't white men with 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 side parts in suits and clean shaven faces that they're just like nah they don't baby faces right uh, they don't yeah, tying they don't believe the theme in, here. they don't believe in right and wrong you you who are this truck driving uh republican voting action hero you're on a crusade against these people and that's why you're good and i just love that abraxas was the chosen vehicle for that propaganda you know like it's nice it's
2: it's not only a ripoff of terminator it feels like a ripoff of blade runner too yeah where like the blade runner are seeking down replicants to retire them but they just win like we'll just say terminate (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. there's a little bit of robocop in there too basically it ripped off all the good 80s (laughs) sci-fis
2: yeah not not for the better either no you're you're, you're, you have been terminated fricker this is probably (laughs) that's probably an outtake somewhere
1: you've been finded effer
2: i found you (laughs) (laughs) fucker. <laughs> oh man. What did we think of uh our villain Secundus giving his whole monologue of why he wants to find the anti-life equation? His whole monologue is accompanied by fucking saxophone solo. <laughs>
0: The whole movie. that It was driving Vanessa insane.
2: The sax solo.
1: <laughs> They're doing them in like action chase sequences. It was like, oh, there's a lot of fun synths. And then the saxophone
2: takes over the whole movie. It's so Who funny. Who scored this fucking movie? And what were they thinking? Uh, I could name them, but I think I'd rather not. Oh, man. It was. It, oh, it's so good. It's so like this is a 1990 movie it's like ripping off stuff from the 80s and like we're kind of transitioning into the 90s kind of tropes like the saxophone solo is like a fun bridge between the two decades as far as like schlock action cinema goes at least
1: what a fucking what a fucking misfire that score was and then like so first of all our our protagonist woman is uh first of all raped and impregnated. Um and then <laughs> first her, of all <laughs> she's she's neglectfully abusive to her child um because mm. he has never spoken and she didn't like teach him sign language or like take him to the doctor um or get him any sort of special services. She's just been like no. He is, he is, he is fine the way he is, which
3: he is fine the way he is. That's enough, (laughs)
2: JW. This is my son. He cannot hear you. (laughs) That's because, uh, (laughs) struck a deal with Union Oil.
1: (laughs) Which, it's like a complete misunderstanding. I have,
2: I have something of an anti-life equation in me (laughs) all right i'm done (laughs) it's in you too
1: interrupt me please do i have a finder
0: (laughs) tell me (laughs)
1: um but like it's a complete misunderstanding of what it is to not be ableist because it's like they're they're trying to make this point of like he's no different than anyone else he's fine the way he is which is true but it's like hey he needs help communicating this child Mm -hmm. can't communicate um you need to you need to help him and then they have this weird fucking monologue um where she's like the principal's trying to kick him out of school because other kids are bullying him
2: keep this in mind i have a point here in a second but go ahead okay
1: when she just says like well have you tried asking the kids not to bully him and then the principal like It's just this like, come to Jesus moment where he's like, oh my God, I never once, what? You're saying if we, hold on, let me see if I'm following you here. Ask the other children not to bully him. That might, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm seeing if I can follow. Yes, yes, that's what we'll do. We'll ask the other children not to bully him. And you keep waiting for him to be being sarcastic. And no, that's just the powerful scene that they wrote. Which, first of all, is a, an oversimplification of the issue. And then second of all, is like also the worst thing you could do for a kid being bullied. Is like stand up in front of the class and be like, everyone listen. Look, look at him. <laughs> do not pick on this scrawny fuck that can't talk. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was just such a like...
3: Oh. someone wrote this
1: type of scene right like it's just like yeah it's as though like the principal in earnest was like well if children bully another child we do have to kick the kid out of school because there is nothing you can do about that and then they offer the worst solution Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the worst version of doing something about it and they're just like my god she's a fucking revolutionary Look at this fucking hero with her common sense.
2: (laughs) Well, first of all, that principal was not played by Ernest. aka James Varney. I think it might have been a comedy bit because that principal was played by Jim Belushi.
1: What? I didn't even register that 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 was Jim
2: Belushi. That was Jim Belushi, buddy. And guess what? He had an 18 month marriage with our lead actress. And I think they met on this movie. They were married for like roughly a year and a half. Jim Belushi and our lead actress.
1: Man. Man. What say you, Denny? All I really know about Jim Belushi is that community always makes fun of him. And my dad always told me that it was like, hollywood's failed attempt to like capitalize on john belushi's popularity after he passed away and it didn't work um that's mm-hmm. that's all i really know about jim belushi and <sighs> that he
2: well now you know one more thing he was in a praxis guardian of the universe
1: that makes sense because i do remember thinking that like for how stupid the scene was i thought that the principal character was surprisingly committed to the role like i was like I can't imagine showing up and, like, trying to act through this scene, like, with this script, like, really, really giving it an honest try. And so that makes sense that it was actually a name actor who, like, had knowledge of the craft and showed up and did his best, you know? But Because, like, I really, I was, like, I was surprised at the level of effort for just how, like, just unbelievably asinine that whole fucking scene was like it was so yeah. fucking stupid like
2: he, well he dumb. was committing because he's trying to impress his soon to be wife I guess
1: hey I'll say this it if 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 any part of that year and a half was happy for them then it's probably the best thing that came out of this movie <laughs> <laughs> like okay. if, if there was any stretch okay. of happiness in that year and a half marriage um, then uh, that's probably, yeah, that, that better than most results of this movie, I would say.
2: <laughs> Can I give you uh, another positive that came out of this movie? Yes. Uh, The character Sheriff Sharp is played by a man called Michael Coleman. He is a pretty small-time actor. He mostly took on smaller roles. He had brief, very small roles in Death to Smoochie. Mm. and the fly ah. ah so a low-key pivotal part of this podcast michael coleman i thought he was very electric on the screen in this movie so i don't, I don't even well, i wanted him. to i wanted to give him some love so there's the cop that's kind of hitting on the lead actress yeah right the his boss basically like the the sheriff of the actual like sheriff that he's working for that I'm, character.
1: I have no recollection of this.
2: So there's a movie called Abraxas. Yes. And it's <laughs> okay no. Uh it's it's the other cop, basically. But yeah. Dude, uh, go I liked ahead. him. I, I I liked I liked seeing him in this movie. Like again <laughs> I was never bored and I'm I was never bored. I was I'm never I'm happy bored. about this movie. I'm happy we covered this movie. I'm happy this wasn't a ginger dead man shit yes
1: oh no this is this is much better than ginger dead man this
2: could have gone way in the other direction to just be like we're bad for the sake of being bad aren't you having fun because of it no never am this movie was being (laughs) genuine everybody was giving at least 60 percent, (laughs) and i was having a lot of fun with it
1: i was too it, it was a very gleeful type of bad um just yeah like, oh 100 how did this classic how did this get made shit like i'm sure they've done an episode over this that podcast like yeah 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 i'm sure there's an Abraxis episode because it's just such a such a mind fuck and i just i just miss like the sheer volume and density of like c-tier movies from this time period because like by this point, I feel like you and I should have seen most of them, and we just keep finding new ones. You know, like, there's so much that got made around this time. Um, Dude. Okay. Whoever wrote this okay. movie... Whoever wrote this movie... Um, let me just say... Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> was was less subtle about his abuse in, uh, Nightman Cometh. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so clear that, like, some story about childhood sexual abuse was trying to come out of this. Like, you constantly have Jesse Ventura, like, being like, I'd like to ride in the car with your son alone. You trust me, don't you? Like, it's just, like, there was so much, like... Jesse Ventura trying to be alone with this kid in really uncomfortable situations. Like that, mm-hmm. that fucking bedtime story oh when he's clearly God, fluffed his chest hair and he's just sitting there in bed and he's like, come sit on the bed with me. I'll tell you a story. Dude, there's yes. so many like lines and moments
2: where I'm like, this is either like a sarcastic joke about the character not being aware that he's creepy or it's a very genuine like I'm trying to be friends with this young boy, kind of moment, and both felt
1: wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it's confusing
0: yeah. and bad.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, someone, someone needs to go to therapy.
3: <laughs> like, is it, is it Jesse? Is it whoever, Jesse?
1: Whoever wrote those scenes, your uh, your trauma showing. <laughs> mm. Like it's it's trying to get you to notice it. Um, just,
2: just wait till the favorite line gimmick, buddy. Oh, man. Oh, brother. I, I'm so stoked for that. But yeah, <laughs> this this movie, though, man. I do want to give some love. Again, like, I'm praising actors here. But Sven Ol Thorsen, I think that's how you say his name. The guy that plays Secundus, the main bad guy. He is electric. I yeah. love every second that that guy is on the screen.
1: <laughs> he was
2: awesome. Fan fucking tastic! My favorite thing. Oh, go ahead,
1: go ahead. He he was trying to channel Arnold a little too much for me, but but he was awesome.
2: (laughs) Both 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 lead actors were. Yes. But (laughs) my favorite thing he did was the hot rod stunt where he like gets a dirt bike and like revs it up and he's not on the dirt bike but he's like spinning in a circle and revving up the back wheel and like kicking up rocks and dirt a scene from the fucking opening credits of hot rod was like an action moment in this movie so fucking funny
1: oh dude their their action scenes were so clearly uh uh uh, unplanned and over budget and like literally the chase scenes are like (laughs) separate shots of them like running around in the woods alone <laughs> there were finally few enough people in this park for us to shoot this thing <laughs> but only these three seconds oh my god it was it was unbelievable
4: how
0: bad the, the seats were like, dude, there's no lighting there's no setup it's just like
1: Point and shoot of Jesse okay. Ventura
0: in nope. a space else costume in... running around. <laughs> oh my god!
2: I did like when that cop pulled out like a fucking Uzi though. It's just like, well, I
1: have this. <laughs> Gosh, man, it was wild. How about that? How about that space deck scene and just like the like the 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 the, the guy that's always like doing a thousand yard stare while spouting sci-fi jargon. <laughs> yeah our sci-fi
3: jargon so guy good. with
2: with, so his, good. with his with his pot with his partner sci-fi regulation jargon <laughs> <laughs> those two were
1: miserable as fuck and we were with them quite a bit for no real reason like and they clearly like they shot all of it in one sitting like they like never move they there's never anything else going on it's clear that they just it- brought those guys in for half a day of shooting and just pointed yeah. the camera at them and made them say their lines.
2: No change of clothes. Nothing. Just... No. Here's your lines. Jesse Ventura is going to show up for, like, a couple of these lines. Yeah.
1: When in theory, We're, like, this movie now takes Now you place. stand six feet
2: this way yeah
1: (laughs) it takes place over five years right like there's like five years between the beginning and the end and they're like wearing the same clothes standing in the exact same spots
2: (laughs) to be fair they're like aliens that are like borderline immortal like abraxas is ten thousand years old but (laughs) they should have changed clothes (laughs) time was had not clearly passed on that side of the movie yeah
1: How about, uh, how about Jesse Ventura's, uh, skull at rat tail combo?
2: Dude, I have a note. I have a note. Yay. It says, it reads as follows. 70 minutes in and I just now noticed Ventura's little ponytail.
1: Yeah. He had it braided at one point. It was
2: awesome. I I didn't notice it until 30 minutes from the finale. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Maybe, I think he was in bed with a child at the time.
0: Oh, watch man. the
2: movie it's fine in context no no it's really almost. not greg stop <laughs> telling people it's fine
1: it was it's, horrible it's
2: almost fine in context. it
1: should have been against the law to shoot that scene
3: oh
2: boy oh boy <laughs> just leave the camera there i prefer to shoot this scene alone
1: man the the line between jesse ventura and buffalo bill both in your voice and in the portrayal in this movie is real thin <laughs> Oh my god.
2: I'd Would you fuck me? I'd terminate me
1: hard. <laughs> Would you find me? I'd, I'd find me. me. hard.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh my god. Oh, it puts
2: put Secundus in the basket. <laughs> or else it gets the anti life equation again. <laughs> what if. It. What a film. <laughs> what, a, what what a piece of cinema.
1: Do you remember that slide that was at a 45 degree angle with no catch? Like, just like a tailbone breaker that the kids are going down? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a death slide.
2: <laughs> just a hunk of metal plop down at a 45 degree angle. Have fun, kids. God... <laughs> What happened to the good old days?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you catch that the kid finally talked at the end?
2: Yeah. Like, it felt like it wasn't built up enough that he talked, right? Yeah,
1: it wasn't. But also, the I, th- words... I thought he
2: talked before then, too. Like, I thought he had a line. I was like, oh, he just talked. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like 30 minutes before that he said something
1: if he did i missed it like the gimmick was that he wasn't talking because he knew the anti-life equation so he knew that like he shouldn't speak to anyone right Mm -hmm. but i I do think the words like with how much jesse ventura uh groomed this child in this movie (laughs) i thought his only line was really really fitting me too Now that's airtight storytelling right there.
0: Danny, <laughs> you've you've cracked the code. Dude, it's so fun like
1: like what happened in that movie is not okay.
2: No, it's not. No, it's bad. Bad, 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 bad.
1: <laughs> it's it's such a fucking weird movie. Dude. Oh.
2: I'm I'm out of notes, man. You ran me out of notes. I'm out of notes. I like that notes. you I like that you teed me up for so many of my notes. Yeah. That's I love I, I, I love a good experience like this, man.
1: When we're on we're the same frequency about a bad movie, it's a special moment on the podcast. One
2: that we watched separately. Yeah. And we like, had completely different experiences with. Like, it, it's kind of like jujitsu. Like, we had almost the same experience on exactly the same wavelengths. Yep. And <laughs> we got to talk about it. Yep. For For people on the internet that want to hear about it. Yep. I hope you all have seen Abraxas Guardian of the Universe. I Again, never boring, always fun. It's, Good it's, watch. Have a couple drinks, though.
1: Best $1.99 I've ever spent in my life at Movie Trading Co. And it came with a, a C-tier a Mark Hamill movie that I haven't watched yet, too. That'll be in another episode.
2: Uh, best, <laughs> best free I ever spent at the uh, cost of ads. <laughs> uh, are we ready to get into gimmicks
1: i think it's about gimmick time yeah
2: speaking of ads like we do on this show anytime a movie is uh free to watch on imdb tv it is free to watch with ads i will do the favorite moment of jarring capitalism where
3: <laughs>
2: a mo- the movie is interrupted by advertisements the best one is still Frozen, but this one's still pretty good. Uh, so, like like Denny said, our lead actress is essentially raped and oh, given a, a baby doubt. that is given. She gives birth to the kid in within twenty four hours. It's a yeah. so weird. Like I just watched Prometheus. It's kind of like that. So, <laughs> uh, soon after our lead character. Uh, female lead has been impregnated by touch i got an ad from kohl's letting me know about a cool big sale that they're having on comfy bras
1: Ooh,
2: yeah that's that's the algorithm women get ready to feel like yourself (laughs) right after the weird touchy kind of rapey scene
1: which so. speaking of women's issues she took like, <laughs>
2: oh mm-hmm.
1: she took being raped being impregnated and delivering a baby on the ground in stride like she's just up walking and ready to live her life right after it like unbelievable yeah. oh unbelievable. yeah what resilience she like, showed
2: five minutes after her boyfriend running away from like a scary guy that was like well i'm gonna kill you guys He was like you're on your own and she withstood all of that good for her yeah i'm glad i hope she had a great time with jim that,
1: that was some yas queen moments um, <laughs> that was some real some real boss girl girl boss uh, moments
2: girl boss moments i'm gonna start my own business <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's coming up that? next
2: cinderella uh <laughs> God,
1: what's, what's your mark out moment
2: <laughs> my favorite mark out moment oh buddy this is a great one so this is where I fully buy into the movie itself, I guess, For in, in this case. There is uh, Secundus. He is chasing Abraxas, and Secundus comes across a group of a family that's on a camping trip. And it's, uh, you know, a mother and a father and, like, a older teenage son. And Secundus is like, give me the keys to Avi i'll be back (laughs) etc yeah the kid throws the keys to the rv into the campfire that they have built yeah and secundus is like get the keys for me and the keys have a keychain that says are we having fun yet (laughs) and then they pull out the keys with a stick Secundus starts the RV and starts driving away, and Abraxas jumps. Jesse Ventura jumps on the windshield with a goofy ass <laughs> yes, fucking yes, face. Yes,
4: yes. And yes. my
2: answer to the keychain became yes. That I face on having, the
1: windshield was
2: insane. I'm having fun yet.
1: Gosh, that, that keychain was a great party down reference. Um. <laughs> i I completely forgot about jesse ventura making that face vanessa and i laughed so hard at that it was fucking great
2: like there's a lot of stuff we left out in our discussion here because i think people really should like have drinks with friends and watch this movie
1: yes yes if
2: you want us to be those friends i'll watch this again i'm happy to watch
1: it come to my house or i'll bring it to yours just let me know yeah just bring beers please uh yes. denny what is
2: your favorite markout moment for Braxis guardian of the universe
1: dude my markout moment just because of how uncomfortable it was it was pretty much the only thing <laughs> i remembered uh i've already talked about it how the only thing i remembered from the first watch was that they hardcore ripped off terminator um and that for some reason which, which jesse Mc, jesse ventura is the whole time that's the whole time mm-hmm. they ripped off mm-hmm. terminator um for some reason, just with like a glorious mane of chest hair, Jesse Ventura is sitting in bed, like trying to read a child a bedtime story, and it's supposed to be f- sentimental. Um, that when it just, I was waiting for it the whole movie, and then when it was there, I was like, it was like Stone Cold's music hitting. <laughs> like you know, I I was marking out. Like I was like, oh, there it is. Oh my god, oh, my I god. I was just wanted to make sure I didn't imagine this fucking horrible, uncomfortable scene. Like it's there, it's there, it's awesome. Yeah,
2: instead of Stone Cold's music, it's a fucking saxophone solo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> By God, could that be? That's a practice of saxophone. He's here. He hasn't had his hair waxed except on the top of his head.
2: Tenor, Saxus Abraxis.
1: <laughs> Damn it.
2: <laughs> oh my God, what's, dude. What's,
1: what's your favorite line?
2: Oh man, my favorite line. Holy shit. I had typed down like a couple of potentials because there were some good ones hitting me. But I think I have my favorite line of the podcast not just the movie not the episode but any movie we've watched
0: whoa this is my
2: favorite line of any movie we have done period and it is jesse ventura saying my box has vd
1: oh my god that was so fucking
2: good (laughs) are you kidding me
1: vibrational detection
2: and the box is something else (laughs) holy shit dude my box has vd
1: a special moment in cinema history (laughs) i could not
2: believe it oh my god
1: that was good favorite line of the podcast ever ever remember that for the Grannies, brother that might that might get this in the hall of fame we might have a new award denny what's your favorite
2: line of abraxas comma or colon i don't know guardian of the universe
1: i'm pretty sure it's comma Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, which i think actually is more grammatically correct because you're only supposed to do you're only supposed to do a colon if there's like a list that follows um it is comma yeah
2: i'm looking at uh right now i mean it's not how
1: we do it's not how we do movie titles but i actually do believe that is grammatically correct um doesn't doesn't make it any less dumb looking um
2: (laughs) semicolon
1: my favorite line is uh is the streams crossed because (laughs) ripping off robocop terminator and blade runner wasn't enough and they also had trek. to rip off ghostbusters oh there was some star trek the holodeck stuff yeah this was this was they had to rip off ghostbusters too extremely blatantly um, so when they i was like no fucking way they said the streams crossed that's not something that anyone says not referencing ghostbusters right like so Dude, yeah
2: good 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 pick What's, uh, Very what's, good pick.
1: What's your critic or score, brother? Oh,
2: man. Deep breaths. Deep breaths, man. I, again, never once got bored with this movie. It is a bad, bad, bad movie. This movie isn't good. I no. cannot wait to watch it again. Hell yeah. I want a few more drinks and a few more friends, and I want to watch this movie at least one more time.
3: Hell
1: yeah.
2: I'm giving this one a 19 out of 40.
1: Ooh. You gave Jake the Snake a 21, and this is yep. a 19.
3: Yep.
2: No saxophone solos. <laughs> Okay, well, in, that... In the resurrection of Jake the
1: I suppose I can't argue with that. Um, these are...
2: This is apples and fucking oranges, dude. Like, I cannot... <laughs> the scores are close together, but you cannot <laughs> possibly compare the two. Even though they're oh, in the same episode of Movies
1: for God. <laughs> That's fair, I suppose. Um, I gave it a 9 out of 50. Oh, oh fuck
2: you, man. What? Justify <laughs> it. Let me I'll hear you out. I said it's bad. I admitted it's bad, but how much fun did you fucking have, man? Come on. I
1: had a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, okay. But it, it's a fucking horrible movie. Okay, yeah. So it gets a 9. But you enjoyed the shit out of it. I enjoyed the shit out of the experience of thinking hey. it's horrible.
2: I'll, I'll take this. It is nine times better than Cats. Yes. Because Cats got a one on both of our scales.
1: Infinitely so. Nine times better than Cats.
2: Nine times better than Cats. Yes. It is also a bad movie,
1: but it you is enjoyed so, it like, nine lives more. It is one of the like worst B movies I've ever seen. It's so bad.
2: It's so bad, it's but I so can't wait bad.
1: to watch it. But I can't wait to watch it again. Oh, dude, I'll watch it again anytime. Because it's actually fun, but that, you know, that's 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 an ironic watch, brother. It, my, my ratings yeah. are not ironic. My ratings are serious. Yeah.
0: I take these ratings very seriously.
1: I do take my ratings <laughs> very seriously. It's something I put a lot of thought into. So this do is I, a but bad this is, movie.
2: So do I, but this is also a factor. We grade sure. things. We. Th- we operate a little differently, we're but pretty damn different, we're yeah. on the same page. Just the numbers different. So you liked this. So more who than, gives a shit?
1: You liked this more than the country bears. One whole point more.
2: Did I give country bears an eighteen? If I remember correctly, I might have to adjust my score for the country bears.
1: No, I gave country bears a
2: twenty-five.
1: Jesus, you're you're a pretty sick guy.
2: <laughs> no, I'm pretty cool. You are cool, I'm a- but like I'm actually cool, nice, and awesome.
1: So, <laughs> you are cool nice and awesome I can't stay mad at you for your country ah. ratings. I can't stay mad at you
0: no you can't
2: dude I've honestly like this whole time I've been like putting out stuff on Craigslist I've been like reaching out to people I know with military backgrounds yep.
1: I just can't find anyone to kill
2: David Arquette
1: well, it's kind of a fool's errand. Um I would recommend uh, I do have a referral for you. It's a man. Yeah. Named, it's a man named Barry. Um he he does this type of he does this type of 1099 work. Um but I I really do truly believe I have it on good authority that you cannot kill David or Cat and you are the
2: king of Seamless Edis Mountain. Shut the fuck up. All right, what a good show, man. I love Barry. <laughs> Barry's uh, so good. All right, uh, You Cannot Kill, David Arquette. You heard it in the song, and now you've seen it on the big screen. It's a documentary. Yeah. Buddy, I, I've summarized the first two. Uh, you Cannot Kill, David Arquette is another documentary that we accidentally said earlier is on Hulu. So yes. if you've got Hulu, you can watch this. It's a 2020 documentary that um, our uh, friend of the show, Adam, was apparently since the beginning of the podcast suggesting that we watch. So
1: I actually told him to watch this a couple of years ago. Oh, no um, way. Yeah. yeah uh, like uh, when it was new, I guess. Well, yeah, he, he's a big yeah. wrestling fan, too. And I, I watched it and I was like, dude, like a- Adam's not a big movie guy. He's He's a big wrestling guy and a big golf guy. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll invite him back for whenever we do. Happy we do Gilmore, the, the greatest shack, game. And, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I told him, I was like, dude, you've, you've just gotta see this. And so I, I don't think he's watched it yet. And I think this was going to be his excuse to watch it. <laughs> it's my assumption. At least, Oh man,
2: I I hope he's seen it, man. Cause yeah, a, a wrestling fan. I feel like yeah, this is. This is the perfect film for this episode. Yeah. Dude. Like,
1: yeah. Oh, it's so perfect. And it. we'll get into how it. the it, the documentary captures a lot of the spirit of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I've got, it, got a couple notes on that, too. Yeah.
1: Am I doing the summary?
2: Yeah. Uh, I did the first two. Cool. Uh, do a quick... I know it's not going to be quick, but I'm gonna. I'm
1: gonna try. I'm gonna try to make it quick. Uh, uh, so David Arquette is a, a very famous Hollywood actor um, who infamously uh, won the WCW Championship in a publicity stunt uh, in I want to say 2000. Yeah, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, it was widely viewed as uh, as one of the worst things to ever happen in professional wrestling history which really sucked for Mr. Arquette, because he's a really big wrestling fan. Um, and to be such, like, a, a blemish... Because, like, it's... it's, We'll get into world champions and stuff later. But it just basically shits on the we whole will? thing. Uh, no. Well, okay. I'm saying, like, <laughs> yes, yes, it's fake. But, like, in the story... Like, it, it would be the kind of thing of, like, if you're watching, I don't know, uh Lord of the Rings, and... Uh, Then, all of a sudden, uh, in the middle of it, uh, some random-ass villager just takes the ring and is like, Oh, it's not that hard. I'll just throw it into Mount Doom. And they do it. And it's just like, (laughs) that's supposed to mean something, man. You know? Like, that's... that's, Come on. So, anyway, this is David Arquette uh, documenting something that he really did, which was uh, try to give himself a redemption arc in pro wrestling. Um, he basically is kind of down on himself. he he didn't become the like he didn't become the Leo DiCaprio that, that everyone thought he was gonna become. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just trying to connect with something, is what it seems like. He's just trying to find some sense of meaning and some sense of purpose. And he's finally like, I really feel like I need to redeem myself in pro wrestling. Um, so we see him basically go on escapades and run the whole gamut of of pro wrestling um he he uh does some really horrible backyard wrestling does some training with diamond dallas page uh, hey he's goes, back yeah the wrestling's jesus man he is he's has saved so many people in this business um and uh goes to mexico and learns how to do some lucha stuff then does some real ass training with all elite wrestling superstar pretty peter avalon Um, And then we see him have a hell of a run on the indies uh, where he did garner respect and uh, there's a a kind of an implied relapse on alcohol. He's he's definitely acting drunk. Uh, We'll get into the blurred lines of reality and how that plays into wrestling. Uh, But then they they pay it off in just a beautifully climactic scene uh, where... He finally gets to have his uh his his version of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth that he always wanted. And uh mm. and I just sat there and cried and cried and cried. Um it is so fucking beautiful, man. So uh yeah, Greg, what's your relationship with this movie?
2: I had never heard of this movie. Of course, this has only, you know, been out for a couple of years. I feel like I've heard of David Arquette winning the WCW Championship at some point. Yeah, like I, I, it, as somebody that doesn't know jack shit about professional wrestling or any of the storylines, I feel like I've heard of this happening. Yeah, and it's you know whoever I heard it from definitely did say it was the worst thing to happen to professional wrestling, mm-hmm. like ever. So. Yeah, like that's that's pretty much it. How, how about you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I I saw the movie like literally as soon as it came out. I didn't. I knew David Arquette was doing a uh, was doing an indie run, and like that that made headlines. I'd seen some of his stuff. I thought it was really fucking cool. I had no idea they were making a movie about it, and I saw some post on Reddit. It was during the uh, the 2020 quarantine, um, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, guess what's streaming?" everyone should watch this and i like literally stopped what i was doing and put it on immediately i think like vanessa and i had just watched a movie um and we vanessa doesn't like to do a lot of back-to-back movies she doesn't she likes to take a break she doesn't want to watch tv all day it's something i'll never understand about her she wants to like go outside and interact and it's it's just strange to me
3: Um, what's her
2: fucking deal i know
1: right i just watch tv there's an infinite supply of it you don't you don't have to go outdoors anymore for yeah. fun
2: grass is overrated come Seriously. on honestly
1: <laughs> um but I, pl- I played the trailer and we were both just like yep right now shit i ain't got nothing better to do put it the fuck on um man and we we were both powerfully moved by it vanessa loved it i loved it and uh this is the first time i've watched it since i i've been like spreading its gospel to people i've been like dude if you like wrestling at all, you need to see this. And even if you don't like wrestling, I don't really think you need to like wrestling to really to really connect with this movie. It's really good. So yeah, that's my relationship. Um, I did want to start by smartening everyone up a little bit because yeah. I do think my perception is a lot of this documentary is what we would call a worked shoot. If you remember the terminology from earlier, a work is fake, a shoot is real. A worked shoot is when you script something to break the script. Um, Mm -hmm. You're trying to convince the audience that what's happening is real, but it actually secretly was part of the plan. Um, There's a few things we need to smarten people up about. So... I don't think the wrestling industry personally hated David Arquette. Um, I do know that like he came to WWE Raw with a sign that said former WCW champion. And they mm-hmm. usually like love getting celebrities in the crowd on TV. And they like completely averted him, didn't acknowledge him. Um, they, they got into it in the credits. Um, he gave all of the money he made from WCW to the families of Owen Hart and Brian Pillman. Um,
2: they, they, yeah, it was like a brief mention in the end credits where the, one of the family members mentioned that.
1: Yeah. That's, that's Brian Pillman Jr. Son of Brian Pillman. Um, those are two wrestlers who died tragically around the time David Arquette was WCW champion. Um, so that was viewed by pretty much everyone as like a make good, you know, like that, like this dude, didn't exploit the industry like he gave all the money he made to the families of people who are hurting in this industry um and i think the reason they didn't touch on it sooner is because it would have fucked up the narrative that he's like hated and scorned um he's not taken seriously um you know like obviously he's not taken seriously it's also really well documented that he didn't want to win the world title um it's been well documented by lots of people that when they when they brought him the idea he was like you should not do this, because I'm a wrestling fan, and I would hate this. Like I would yeah. hate, I would hate it if this happened. Uh, they kind of pushed him into it, anyways. I don't think the fight with Brian Nobbs really happened.
2: I think. Oh, yeah, the uh, one of the Nasty Boys, right? Yeah, 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 dude. I, I, real quick, like I had a note on that where it was just like. That made me doubt the authenticity of this being a documentary. Yeah. It was just like, this felt like a scripted thing, and now I'm waiting for the punchline of this documentary to be like, this was all kind of like a joke. Not Maybe not like a joke, but just like played up piece of drama that I, didn't actually happen.
1: I, I think in the true spirit of what makes <coughs> wrestling really great, is the times when reality and the story blur, you know, like when they, when they use real things and they sex them up a little bit. Um, let me tell you guys, Brian knobs would have fucking given his right nut to advertise David Arquette at his shitty little wrestling convention.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I, like I, I hate to
1: ruin the illusion, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, uh, um, i i do think i don't think this is like a completely fake documentary but i do think a lot of elements like that are kind of played up i do think they definitely portrayed david arquette as as more washed up than he actually is i mean i don't know the guy but like they made it seem like he's like completely unable to get acting work and that's certainly not true you know like Mm. he, he, he gets work right like um all that goes to say, he, he was not respected by wrestling fans or the wrestling industry, and he, he earned the respect. Um, he earned the respect from this indie run that he did. I don't think anybody, like, wanted to kill the guy. Like, he was pretty much viewed as, like, an outsider who respected the industry and did the right thing with his money, you know, like, more, more mm-hmm. than he had to. Yeah. Um, and-
2: yeah. So everyone was basically like, "Damn, that was a mistake," and then kind of moved on.
1: Well, I, I don't think anyone blamed David Arquette for it.
2: Okay, yeah. I
1: think they blamed Vince Russo, who was on there. Uh, he he booked it, right? Like, um, people blamed Vince Russo, and Vince Russo actually is hated not just for that, but for a million decisions like it um, that he made as as a writer and a booker, um, and also just comes across as a general like jackass um Mm -hmm. (laughs) like um i i think people hated wcw management and creative for doing it i don't uh, not a lot of people in my knowledge at least had like this personal animosity towards david arquette because everyone knew it's not like he walked in there and said put the title on me or i'm not promoting the movie you know like it was pretty well known that that he was a big fan and they told him to do it and it's like ddp said like would you say no like if if, if vince mcmahon called me tomorrow and was like hey denny you know wrestlemania is in dallas um i got great news uh we're, we're gonna put the we're gonna put the world title on you um i know no one knows you and you're not in shape and you can't wrestle uh but but we're gonna <laughs> put the world title on you at wrestlemania this sunday how do you like and- that And Denny says, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that's a horrible idea. I'd show up and do it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Of course I'd do it, right? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? I hope anyone would do it, right? Like, um, so yeah, I I, I do think it really, the documentary played up the vitriol that the wrestling community has towards David Arquette as a human, because I... The narrative really doesn't blame him it blames eric bischoff and vince russo who, who ran wcw for for doing something so dumb it's always been pretty well known that arquette's a huge fan <laughs> you know like he, he's a he's a big wrestling fan so i don't know what what were your thoughts watching it with no context um <clears throat> well like it like i said a second ago
2: i, th- I think it was feeling at certain points like it maybe wasn't a documentary but rather like a kind of over traumatized i don't want to say farce completely but it was kind of leaning in that way yeah but as it went along i really was feeling like this was a person's genuine effort to like make up to a community that they love yes. and a community's loving acceptance of that effort. Yes. Because, you know, like people with like extremely niche interests, and maybe this isn't like extreme, but like people that are into wrestling, it's a niche interest. I will I, make fun of the product itself. I'll call it sports entertainment. I don't give a shit. It's not my thing. Yeah. So I'll say whatever I want about it. I would never shit on somebody genuinely loving it and finding community within that. Uh, as, you know, as long, yeah, as, yeah, long yeah. as they're not, like, being, like, toxic and, like, aggressive towards people that aren't interested in it. Yeah. But, like, the the average wrestling fan is just, like, this is this cool thing that I find community with. And, like, yeah. how could I ever find fault with that? and this movie seems really in tune with or it seems like it has a similar mindset where it's just like this guy understands the love that these people have for it and shares that love yeah and here's the community kind of rallying around that yeah if that makes sense so i i i you know maybe didn't understand everything that was going on and i made it maybe felt like a couple of things were a little disingenuous, but overall, the people that were really speaking from the heart, I really did connect with yeah. when I was watching this.
1: No, absolutely, and I, I think, again, that blur, that blur of reality and story, right? Because like, cause mm-hmm. what he really did do was bust his fucking ass, learn how to be a decent wrestler, and have a decent run on the independents, and like earn everyone's respect. That really happened um yeah. what's not true is if you think like these rinky dink ass local indies would refuse to book david arquette for any reason ever you were fucking out of your mind like they would love like <laughs> he did not okay. have to okay. go he did not have to go to the backyard that he went like that was like.
2: I'm f- glad he did, but oh no, that was that was yeah.
1: great, and that was very true to what wrestling is like at the the lower levels. Um, I feel
2: like he felt like he had to, like right. if, if if everything is perceived to be complete truth in this, yeah. then David Arquette would have felt like he would have needed to do something like that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's yeah. like to to do the like uh, that's a pretty like a pretty typical journeyman wrestler's path is. Um, you know, you start out taking any booking. A lot of people will like travel to another country or region, learn a new style, come back to their home territory with something to show off. You know, like that's, that's a pretty typical path, but like he, I, I, first of all, know that he knew better than to show up to backyard wrestling with no training. Like, I think I I, I know that he knew enough to know that you can't just walk in and do it. Like, um, I also think that... Like, again, if he wanted to just start at some of the major independent wrestling promotions... Dude, they would have fucking booked him. They would have put David Arquette on their show. Like, come the fuck on. Like, Mm -hmm. he's... like, Do you know how little crossover appeal independent pro wrestling has? They would have fucking (laughs) jumped at the opportunity to do it. Um, But I think, again... This, it's I, I, I don't even view it as insulting that I think it wasn't a 100% documentary in that sense is because, like, I look at it and, like, he's inspired us to have the conversation that people had about wrestling for decades of, like, okay, but, like, is some of it real? You know, like, we know that, like, not all of it's real, but, like, what about the title match? The championship's real. You know, like, his, his movie captured the old school kayfabe you know like it really did and Mm -hmm. and here we are debating like people would debate about wrestling being real before they just like jumped the shark and parted with all subterfuge of a legitimate competition and then it was like dude anyone who thinks this is real like doesn't know what a fight looks like or doesn't understand how physics work like mortal kombat looks more realistic than some of that shit like Mm -hmm.
2: Oh man, we gotta do Mortal Kombat at some point. Yeah. Like uh, I I feel like it was maybe not like a rushed sort of narrative, but I did really feel like Well, he's done his backyard wrestling, he's done his indie booking, and now he's like doing this, and this and this and this and this. Yeah. Like it seemed like he was hitting the big time super quick when it's kind of contradicting like what what you were saying like anybody would any small venue would or booking would love to have him yes and it's like with that knowledge it kind of follows a sensible path mm-hmm. the way that this movie actually plays out but the way it's being portrayed is like he's really like er like getting the chops and, like, going through the grind of it all and, like, really earning his place. but it's just like, yeah, I did this one thing once and then I did this other thing once and now I'm 35 steps ahead of somebody that has been doing this for three years. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like he felt like he had a huge leg up on people and that wasn't properly presented here. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: we didn't we didn't see the journey we we really didn't yeah we saw him we were given
2: glimpses of other people's journeys as if he was along that same journey
1: yeah yeah well and then like you know even stuff like the training and i get like you know it's 90 minutes i'm sure there's a lot of this on the cutting room floor right like i'm sure they got a lot more footage than they used but like we see him go from out of shape to having a six-pack in with no no transition right like yeah they're just like whoa it, you it's, trained it's a yeah i trained yeah
2: like it's kind of a shock when you see him like with his shirt off i i think it's the part where he's getting like a spray tan yeah right and you're just like oh shit he kind of got cut yeah like he's he's kind of ripped compared to like where i saw him at the beginning of this whole thing yeah like it like as a viewer that was watching this whole transition and experience i'm kind of surprised that he got to this point yeah because it feels very sudden yeah yep i hit the microphone i'm sorry It, it
1: just jumped out of nowhere man um and again it's like uh for all the stuff there was to cover i don't think we really needed like a lot of david arquette workout montages but also like that's that that is part of him paying the price of admission right is getting in ring shape um and also like you could have given us like a montage you know like just just a quick one um yeah there's two things that are real that i really wanted to talk about two things that are 100% um, real some luchador stuff no but we can talk about the luchador stuff
2: okay yeah what are your what are your two things though
1: one is live footage of a fucking ketamine treatment jesus christ
2: oh my god yeah i was i kind of wanted to ask you about that either on here or off the air
1: so ketamine is a horse drug um basically ketamine treatments are for really 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 resilient depression like basically and i i'm not sure if like Maybe celebrity status and money made it a faster road for him. I have no idea, but I know that like my experience with people using ketamine is like psychiatrist will not allow you to have the treatment unless you have tried like everything else Um, Mm -hmm. because they basically like strap you to a table and make you like have a like death resurrection experience um Mm -hmm. it was fucking freaky to watch that man like david arquette for real got a fucking ketamine treatment in this movie and it's and it's something that like it's not something you like do once you go in every couple weeks for it for like a depression that is functionally incurable you know like it's it's yeah it's pretty intense stuff
2: that's part of the cutting room floor stuff that you kind of mentioned earlier yeah it's just like i feel like there were other treatments that happened but we yeah. only really needed to see the one because i i you know i I'd, i've heard about it but i just i didn't know what it was like or what it was really for mm-hmm. and watching it i'm like holy shit yeah they- that is wild
1: they could have at least contextualized it and told you what a ketamine treatment is they just tell you he's there to get a ketamine treatment and you're like okay why well mm-hmm. it, you kind of have to know a little more context I have a I have a specialized familiar, familiarity with that kind of stuff right um, mm-hmm. yeah man that was a wild scene and I think it definitely added some weight to like they were exploring they were exploring his depression um, exploring like that he didn't really reach the heights that he was predicted to reach uh alcoholic in recovery came from a high pressure family um and also apparently they barely touched on it but apparently had a traumatic brain injury not too long ago um they said that he was in a car crash and uh yeah uh, they didn't really get into all of it you know so i
2: i forgot about it until you said it just now
1: it's, yeah. it's kind of like the, the Scott Hall and Jake the Snake Roberts one where I'm like it's good and there was enough depth but I just couldn't help but think there was so much more right like there was so much more that could have been explored right yeah Um, I'll tell you the other thing that was real yeah yeah that death match where he gets his neck cut
2: yep 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 that... uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen this holy shit dude
1: so the dude he's wrestling is a guy named nick gage this is how and
2: i th- had to rewind because i thought a fan nick said nick nick fucking cage i was like whoa whoa
3: whoa
1: whoa yeah who's this <laughs> nick gage but, um, nick
2: nicholas gage yeah.
1: this dude is legit gang affiliated um and uh and robbed a bank without a mask on and did time for it like that's that's the level of risk-taking behavior that this he guy is. He just went
2: in. He just went in there with ten fluorescent light bulbs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Open the vault. <ball. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so he, he's a deathmatch wrestler, which is a whole thing in its own. Mm-hmm. Um, in the match, so like David Arquette was probably a little suspicious that uh, that uh, that Nick Gage was going to shoot on him, right? Um, which Nick Gage really isn't known for doing. Um, despite like you don't need to shoot in his matches, there's blood and glass everywhere. Um, but uh, there was a legitimate accident where David Arquette's jugular vein got sliced with with a with a light tube broken, and David Arquette legit thought Nick Gage tried to kill him in front of everyone, um, and that's why he just noped the fuck out of there, took a minute, calmed down, got back in the ring, took a pin, and went straight to the hospital dude um, that's
2: that was the craziest part is that he went back that's a wrestling he's thing. like yeah as soon as it happened he turned around he gives him a look and then he's like really tightly cutting off like that part of his neck he's like gripping the side of his neck yeah and just looking at him like what the fuck did you just do yeah and he's like he leaves he leaves the ring looks at his hand starts making his way towards, like, the changing room or the exit, and then just kind of, like, makes his way back, finishes it properly, and then gets the fuck to the hospital. Yeah, And you're just like, this whole time, I feel like David is just dissociated from reality, and that's, like, the moment where he's fully in reality, but, like, the wrestling part of his brain is like finish the match you ha- brother <laughs> you have it the show must go on etc and it's and like it's, he's sitting there with an freaky. open it's,
1: jugular vein it's
2: freaky to watch because like the camera gets in on it pretty tight yeah in the hospital and like as soon as he takes his hands off you see the wound and you're like oh that is kind of bad and then the most blood you've ever seen comes out of it. And you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah. And then it cuts to black and it kind of carries the story later.
1: That was a fucking shoot. And it was a whole thing that like Arquette really thought that that was an attempt on his life. Crazy.
2: <sighs> I, I don't think the documentary said that he thought that way unfortunately
1: yeah I mean like I don't think he gave an interview on it or any but like the the reports coming out from uh, people who have sources like the the small number of people who were actually reputable wrestling journalists um that that was the story that broke was that he was like absolutely fucking not this man's trying to kill me for real um man and then after not a ton of coercion, just got back in the fucking rig with him like a goddamn madman, <laughs> dude. It's, it's Holy insane. Holy fucking shit. Oh man, that it's a crazy documentary, man. It, it's a crazy story, and I don't think anyone really knows for sure the extent of how much of it is a documentary and how much of it is uh, is kayfabe, so to speak
2: mm-hmm the lucha um, stuff was fun go ahead the yeah the lucha stuff was fun man one of the uh one of the lucha guys <laughs> had a uh, tattoo on his arm and it was the uh it was a skyrim tattoo cool it was the seal of akatosh you know what that is no it's a symbol of the imperial legion in uh so soldiers and tamriel hmm so now that I've interjected my niche interests, <laughs> let's get back to yours.
1: <laughs> you had to have something today.
2: I had to have something. I was like,
1: oh, shit. It's act- oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, who? So
2: speaking of that, like, jugular cut segment, the guy that rushes into the hospital is apparently like a friend of David Arquette's yeah. who passed away oh it's do you remember that guy's name luke perry luke perry yes yes and the
1: dude uh the dude driving the car is luke perry's son and aew world tag team champion at the time of this recording jungle boy um yeah that's that's luke perry and i guess i kind of thought i wondered if like because luke perry's son was a wrestler in my head i was like Maybe that's kind of the form that David Arquette's grief took when Luke Perry passed away is that he was going to, you know, do something awesome in an industry that his son is in. And then mm. I was like, no, Luke Perry was alive for this. So I, I don't know. Like this it's just David Arquette doing stuff.
2: Yeah. I, I was kind of upset. Like at the end, like uh, the, the tribute to him, I was like, God damn. like It, it doesn't say how he passed. I don't. So I was kind of curious about that.
1: I don't recall. I'm looking it up. Um,
2: it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if this came out in 2020. Yeah. There's one pretty popular possibility, and Whew. it's it's pretty bad.
1: He had a he had a stroke at age 52. God damn. That sucks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <sighs> pretty young.
2: <sighs> yeah. Oh, um, Man. But like the. The moment between David and the son Jungle Boy, like I thought, was a really great moment. Like, yeah, the this movie is filled with great, 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 great emotional moments. Yeah,
1: and that's that's the beauty of Wrestling Man, is that as long as the story's good, uh, you know what? I'll quote Terry Funk. Terry Funk would say. I can't make them believe wrestling is real, but I can make them believe I'm real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely what David Arquette did in this movie. He didn't make me believe everything in the movie really happened unscripted, but he did make me believe in his emotional journey that that, that that was real. And I, and I, I still think Mm -hmm. it's real, you know, like that's, that's really fucking cool, man. And as someone who's dealt with just your shadow self and your, sense of failure, and how to... What do you do when you have, like, massive public failures? Like, what do you do? I'm still figuring it out, and, uh... You know? This movie makes me feel like I'm a little closer. I really appreciate this movie for that. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh,
2: like, one of those moments was, like, him getting the luchador mask. Which I thought... Oh. Like, like, I said, like, is this you know kind of an over dramatized kind of thing he got the luchador mask like i felt that emotion in that moment Mm -hmm. and like the significance of that to david arquette i was like i don't really care it's as real as i need it to be i guess
1: he has this childlike joy like oh my god i can't believe he seems like surprised that it happened you know like
2: yeah so yeah no it's great (laughs) this movie had a lot of moments man yeah man um RJ City, calling him out for bringing down the movie Muppets in Space in one of the all-time greatest deep-cut wrestling insults I've ever seen. That's that's
1: very on-brand
2: for RJ City. I haven't seen a lot of wrestling promos, but I, I got to say that might
1: be the best one. I, I think what, what made it even funnier was David Arquette's response, Why are you calling me out, dude? I elevated the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like just the perfect response <laughs>
2: oh for sure dude all right
1: um yeah you ready to get into some gimmicks man um yes oh wait one more thing one more thing i wanted to touch on before gimmicks um yeah. they didn't narrate this but there was a full circle moment um do you remember Booker T Squirt holding circle. up Booker T holding up his hand after he beat uh Mr. Anderson? Yeah. Um to me that was like really cool full circle because when Squared Circle. When I know. <laughs> when David Arquette was the uh was the WCW champion, Booker T is one of the guys that was in the top position at that time and maybe Maybe you could make an argument that David Arquette took a spot that would have been his at that time. Um, I think Booker T recovered from it just fine and went on to have a fantastic career. But, like, all that goes to say, it was really cool to see someone who would have been in the WCW title picture um, endorsing him in some of the final moments of the movie. You know, like, that that was good storytelling.
2: Yeah, that was good to see. Yep. And, like, the only other thing I guess I had was... We got Diamond Dallas Page back again. DDP! Man, he's awesome, He's dude. so good. And it's like... Between this and the resurrection of Jake the Snake, that's the last guy I ever want to piss off or offend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. he's a serious-ass guy that, like, will love you to the ends of the earth, but mm, don't cross him. Again. Kind of guy. It's the
1: being nice very
2: nice way well but
1: being nice and being kind are not the same thing that's a Brene Brown thing because sometimes telling people hard truths is kind because they need to hear it even if it's not nice right like DDP is kind and dude like I'm telling you the work that that man has done in and out of the wrestling industry like he is he has taught disabled veterans how to walk again with a yoga system that he made up (laughs) like (laughs) this dude spent his fucking 20s being a club promoter in miami like smoking cigars on the beach and this is where his life has gone and dude like just he has helped so many people just not only get their bodies healed but get their lives healed Uh, he's he's a fucking saint ddp is the man i love him so much
2: yeah i would absolutely love to meet that guy
1: i might meet him this friday we'll see i don't know if i'll oh
2: brother i hope so <laughs> uh i th- i think if you did you would have a mark out moment oh, but denny big time what is your favorite mark out moment for
1: you cannot kill david arquette <laughs> oh man there there were two i've got i've got three that really popped me um one was just simply Jungle Sage DDP. That's <laughs> like absolutely. That's absolutely how that man should be portrayed as like a mysterious source of wisdom in the jungle. <laughs> like that was awesome.
3: Terrific. Yeah. Um,
1: on that note, it was also uh, David Arquette hitting the Diamond Cutter while he was wearing Ghostface tights. Um, the Diamond Cutter's DDP's finisher. He was wearing sure. he was wearing Ghostface tights from Scream. There was just something so awesome about that. Um, but bigger than anything mountain lucha screams when they all just go to the peak of a mountain and scream into the sky after he mm-hmm. finishes his lucha training I was just like this is so fucking cool this is awesome mm. what about you what's your mark out moment
2: I think mine was with those backyard wrestlers mm-hmm. it was like David Arquette's not gonna make a fucking dime off this thing Yeah, and these guys are giving it their all and they're going so hard that they break the ring they've gotta disassemble the entire ring and like put tires under the broken (laughs) spot and like other support it's just like god damn these guys are committed and they're going so hard that they broke the floor for like Five people. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, he's really getting his licks. You know, like he's he's getting in it,
1: dude. That's that's wrestling. Like again, everyone like when i when I briefly wrestled, I always thought it was kind of sad when when guys needed to pretend it was more than it was. You know, like they would need to pretend they were Ric Flair in the '80s because they worked a small indie show, and it'd be like guys. We got 30 people to pay to watch us wrestle. and let's be honest, we would have done it for no one. Like we we didn't do it for an audience. We did it because we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. that's cool. Don't like it only gets sad if that's not enough. you know, like if that's not enough for you, then that's kind of a bummer. But man, that's that's what wrestling is. It's a passion project, man. There's just there's a bug that bites us and if it never bit you, You'll never get why we care so much, you know. Like I just, I don't know another way to explain it. Oh,
2: that's fair, man. The bug has avoided me, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. Um,
1: Denny, what is your favorite line from this feature? Dude, I popped so hard for the delivery. First of all, because he was saying it to MJF, who was like the most the most hated heel in the business. Um, but MJF's in the ring, being like, uh, uh, talking about how he's the champ. And then you hear a fan scream, anyone can be champion. And then they pan over and it was David Arquette that yelled it, which was just like such funny self-awareness to me. I laughed so hard <laughs> yeah. at that. Like that, like if you heard that it would seem like a pretty weak heckle. And then you look over at who said it and you're like, Hey, he's the proof that anyone can be champ. You know? <laughs> it was awesome.
2: And it came at the perfect time in the movie. Yeah. Too. yeah. Um, I got, I gave mine to... So, David's got a few siblings. One of them is a uh, previously, recently mentioned Dream Warrior, Patricia Arquette. Yeah! She also won an Oscar, but whatever. Um, but her other, his other sister, Rosanna Arquette,
3: mm-hmm.
2: was just kind of like, kind of on his upswing. Like, as he's kind of... F- David is kind of figuring things out. Yeah. Rosanna says, what is it? Is it circus? What is it? Showing your strength? What is it? Like the wrestling thing i still don't understand it really he's passionate about it so you just send good vibes and know that he's going to be okay and you know i feel like that was a great acceptance from his family and also kind of echoed my sentiment towards wrestling yeah like i don't i don't get it i didn't grow up on it i don't understand the motivation behind the people that do it but i see it and i appreciate it and i send good vibes their way you know i trust you guys are doing what you love and i hope you get everything out of it that you're looking to get out of it
1: as a wrestling fan that's all i'd ever want to hear from someone who doesn't get it brother because we get made fun of a lot um it used to be like telling people you were a sex offender to like Tell them you were a wrestling fan, like eh, maybe, maybe not quite, not, but I, yeah, dude, sure, not quite, but like everyone would like be like, ugh, ugh, oh, okay, mock you to your face for liking it. It's 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 cool that uh culture's changing around it because it's cool as shit. I appreciate the acceptance.
2: Hell yeah, man uh what's your uh Kritiker score for this one
1: my criticer score let me look it up because this is actually the only uh the only episode i think we've ever done where i'd already seen all three movies um fuck it i gave this one a 43 <laughs> it, it might be a little high by your metric wow. but uh i thought it was really well done and a really powerful story um i might be blinded by my own investment in it and i don't care um I'm I'm not a big movie crier, and dude, I wept. Like I just I I just I relate so powerfully to the sense of public failure and the idea that you could find a way to come to terms with it. It might look atypical, it might be untraditional, but you've got to find a way to resolve it within yourself, and you just got to do what you got to do to make that happen for you. Right? It was it was cool for me, man. I love this movie, Forty Three love to hear
2: it um i gave this one a 27
1: out of 40 stiff ski working oh, stiff today brother
2: surprise surprise i didn't relate super hard to this one um but yeah i i appreciated it i think it told a way better narrative than the jake the snake documentary Most Definitely. but going back to kind of what we were saying earlier i don't Really know how to judge documentaries yeah, very yeah. well. Me neither. So I think I think this was well made. I think it's a story worth telling that is told well. That maybe I don't feel like a super strong connection to, but at the end of the day, very enjoyable and well towards well told story that I probably won't watch again. Yeah, but I am glad that I did watch
1: it. Yep. Did a. Uh... Did you ever see Jim and Andy, the documentary about Jim Carrey making Man on the Moon?
2: No, uh, it is on my Netflix to watch list, which is another thing that we do on this show. Yeah. I'm, I did. I did see Man on the Moon, though. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm trying to think of something else like You Cannot Kill David Arquette, and I think that's the only thing I can think of is Jim and Andy, where I'm like, it's a powerfully interesting story, and I'm pretty sure it's a work you know like (laughs) that's that's like something uh trying to pass as a pure documentary when really it's a mix of truth and 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 narrative so yeah man i don't know just trying to think of something that resembles it because i i always like a movie that is unique you know for better or for worse stands out as something that's not typically done and i'd say this one counts as that
2: yeah well luckily we also watched Abraxas uh speaking of which Denny what is the best movie for when it's Wrestlemania weekend um that's that's the title of the episode but I feel like we haven't really related any of this to Wrestlemania
1: well then I'll I'll relate it to Wrestlemania weekend um I'm gonna go with the resurrection of Jake the Snake because the culmination of the movie is a Wrestlemania weekend event which is the hall of fame ceremony um okay that's that'll happen on friday night in dallas uh and so that that's why I, I i do like the resurrection of david arquette more but for wrestlemania weekend i think i would go with the, the emotional build-up and the reverence of uh of of uh of the hall of fame ceremony type stuff with jake the snake and scott hall
2: Nah, that's a good pick man what's your pick i hadn't really picked a winner I, I do have two choices here because WrestleMania is in Dallas and two of these movies did have a guy with Dallas in his name in them.
1: Oh, shit.
2: David Arquette, the David Arquette one did have a lot more cute dogs yes, in it. Yes, true. That was a great dog documentary and a Skyrim tattoo. Mm-hmm. But Resurrection of Jake the Snake, I feel like had a, maybe a little bit more emotional impact. Mm-hmm. It's hard to relate a Braxus to WrestleMania 38. Yeah, Jesse Ventura has been out either. of the
1: business for a long ass time. But goddamn,
2: I would watch that movie again. Yeah, like I don't think I would watch these other two again. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'd watch them so. all again. I did watch them all again, and I'll watch them all again <laughs> soon.
2: <laughs> I'm at a weird crossroads, man. But you—you uh, you said Jake the Snake, right? Yeah i think i'll go ahead and agree with you because of what you said about the hall of fame thing like again this isn't something that i have a whole lot of understanding of so you saying like kind of one of the big events of wrestlemania is the hall of fame induction ceremony so i'll i'll say jake the snake because i think that's a that would be a pivotal hall of fame induction hell yeah story kind of yeah so i'll i'll agree with you there
1: cool brother brother that
2: is the audience
1: the audience pick wins again
2: yay good job everyone way to go
1: audience you're crushing it we are one with the people ah speaking
2: of the audience guys you can rate this podcast on spotify do it um five stars is the most you can do and i think we deserve it for the music alone and if the content is maybe a uh, four out of ten, four out of five, just, eh, you know, go ahead and round it up.
1: Whatever. Give it that five, Ski. Give it a Dave Meltzer five-star review.
4: That's we rate the movies fan.
2: honestly. I, Shut up. The... <laughs> this is the episode to not shut you up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to influence the score.
1: I do. But, you know. Give us a five-star review.
2: If you want to. We rate movies honestly rate the podcast honestly but yeah um, Denny what are we doing next week
1: bud next week we're gonna do movies for when you need an excuse to rewatch a movie oh buddy I think I think it's gonna be a banger this, this one was pretty inaccessible I'm gonna be honest I think we're gonna we're gonna hit some heavy ones next week
2: yeah so these are gonna be three movies that Denny and myself are just like we 've seen him we've both seen him before or in the case I've seen it once and I'm just I'm just dying to watch it again I want to watch it one more time and I'm just looking for the right time the right excuse like ah maybe I'll make the time later no this episode is the time unfortunately no audience pick Denny are not, Denny and I are going to agree on a third consensus pick my pick was something i talked about a lot last week the power of the dog i have been looking for an excuse to watch that movie for a second time because i think it rewards a rewatch. denny hasn't seen it yet nope. so we'll do that one
1: this is this is how i always see my oscar movies um is i i always say i'm gonna watch them before the award show so i'll know what everyone's talking about and then i finally watch them when i want to know like because people will be like do you think Coda deserved to win over the Power of the Dog? You know, like, and I'll be asked that a lot, and I'll be like, I don't well, know i I haven't I haven't seen either of them, so now I have to watch them so I can so I can join this conversation. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for Power of the Dog. Um, I chose Interstellar, which uh, I, I only saw once, and I would still say I think off that one viewing is one of my favorite movies ever but it's so fucking long that despite buying it at full price from a Walmart, as soon as it came out, uh, uh, on DVD, I never watched it again. Cause who the fuck sits down for three hours to watch a movie they've already watched, Greg, um, (laughs) who the fuck else?
2: I've seen interstellar maybe four times. So
1: the answer is me. (laughs) All right. I'm, I'm fucking hyped. Uh, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna come up with a consensus pick. We're probably going to field suggestions from the audience, uh, but it has to. You have to suggest something we've both seen because it's 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 the consensus pick for a rewatch. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's going to be a bit of a
1: tricky one. We'll but we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out, or yeah, or will. I'll just pitch Big Lebowski. We'll see if we want to just do a fucking powerhouse <laughs> I of an episode.
2: I don't need an excuse to rewatch Big Lebowski.
1: Yeah, but it's nice when you have one. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: Shut the fuck up, Denny. Uh, Denny. I think we have caught and compromised to a permanent end. This episode of Movies for Win. <laughs> so, go ahead and uh, Summer Slam a catchphrase from the top rope. Your That's... winners
0: and new Movies for Win champions: Crackwork, the Legwork. Johnson and Denny the Talent Taylor saying this has been movies for when We already told you when but you know what we didn't tell ya What's my cage again? Oh god is that Is that John Watson's music? My god John Watson's music is playing. It's John Watson. That's music. John Watson's music. He's coming to the <laughs> ring. I'm a policeman, see my badge?